the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 152 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and with me, like every week, is the blind boy board club of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, whose name I didn't forget this week, to talk you through all the big talking points in the world of MMA from the last week and going in towards next week, which has a big UFC 222 card, which I've been calling UFC 220 for like the last two weeks, but hopefully I'll rectify <laughs> that. Uh, we're also going to look back at last week's UFC Orlando, a very good card, but a controversial ending to it. We'll get to that. We, myself and Graham actually haven't talked about it yet, so I'm interested to hear Graham's thoughts. Uh, and I have some I have some big thoughts in it as well, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to look back at Paddy Pimblett and Molly McCann's big wins at Cage Warriors 90. We're going to talk a little bit about UFC Dublin that was announced well it was it was reported by Pizza Carroll this week which you couldn't as good what as you know? announcement what would that what would he know yeah uh, American Pizza Carroll well. we'll get to that uh, and we'll talk about McGregor saying he's going to fight again and Dana White saying he's not going to fight and we'll answer all of your questions in the fourth section of our we don't really have sections but in the end of, of the podcast Graham busy weekend for me how was your weekend yeah, it was busy as well. Uh, I was out. I was out. Uh, it was my birthday on uh, birthday anniversary on happy birthday, uh, man. Happy anniversary of birth <laughs> on uh, Friday. So I was out Friday and Saturday. So uh, I'm in a bit of a heap today. I'm, I'm actually better now than I was earlier, but uh, I'm still a bit ropey. But uh, it seems to be uh, seems to be a common theme these days. Mm. I don't know how Norm McGrath does it at forty odd. I don't know how yeah. he deals with the hangovers. You know, like it's bad enough doing it once a week, but the way Norm McGrath does it twice a day, it just. <laughs> 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 okay, you do that. I'm going to be in a heap next week, actually, because I'm going, I'm going back to Kerry drinking next Saturday. So uh, next, next, <laughs> tune into next week's show. That's going to be fun. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the week we're getting a family, uh, family get together today. So I'm, I've ate about nine thousand calories today. So I'm, I'm all set up, sugar loaded here to do the show. Actually, I was, I was talking to one of my aunts. She's like, "Oh, so how do you add for the evening?" I was like, "Oh, I'm still a podcast." And she actually looked at me like I'd eight heads. So like, a podcast. A, pod, a podcast? What the fuck is a podcast? And I was like, it's like uh, when you used to say you, you're into MMA, people would be looking at you and being like, what is wrong with you? That's the thing where they fight each other in a cage. Is that the thing Hulk Hogan does, is it? Is that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I had a busy weekend all around there. What about the, what about the Soccer Man United? An unbelievable win today. I had to tape it and go back and watch it, so I wasn't online all day. Uh, great win. Liverpool, Liverpool, West Ham, was it? Yeah, yeah, 4-1 to Liverpool. Some nice goals there. Um could have been more, but uh, yeah, no, it was a it was a good win. It was a very good win for Man United. Uh, Chelsea were obviously that that was kind of building for a while. The Conte versus Mourinho, and mm-hmm. Mourinho got the got the got the one over on him this time. But uh, mm-hmm. I only saw the goals of the game, and it's good to see Lukaku doing well against the the non top four guys again. Flat track bully. Looking forward to Ken. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to Ken Early's article in the Indo tomorrow or today. And I was, as people will be listening to this, talking about the Mourinho masterclass. That should be fun. Come on, Ken. Let's do it. Let, let's let, let's. Uh, we need we need to get Ken on the podcast, don't we? We need yeah, to get Ken yeah, on the phone and I'll chat. She. I, I, I think though, like uh, I, I kind of know where bodies are coming from. I think you're a bit defensive on the on the Man United. I definitely because, am. Yeah. Because uh, you know, with with the team he does have, he, he should be doing better. Like that Sevilla performance was, was pretty bad. Like they were very 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 lucky to. To go in to the second leg, uh, squared up, I wouldn't all like, and 
Uh, I think some of the saves were a bit over exaggerated from David De Gea, but there was one at the very the very end of the half, the first half that was mm-hmm. that was really good. Obviously, he should bury that, and the keeper should have no chance. But that that's a that's like a tie changing. Well, it may turn out to be a tie changing save, but uh, you can't rely on that all the time. Like De Gea let in a terrible goal today, uh, straight at him, went through him yeah. at the near post. Like uh, he's kind of known for that a bit, but uh, you, not every, like you know you're going to have your weaknesses. Like you can't be flawless. Mm-hmm. He was actually terrible today. He, he like he nearly gave away two other goals. Well, he nearly dropped the ball into his goal twice, other than the goal itself. But when he's someone's as good as the hair, I leave him off with that. Yeah, but I thought uh, it's yeah, it's crappy. Should tell him, sell him to Real Madrid. Tell him, get the fax machine out. Get Carrius in. <laughs> get Carrius. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend of, of soccer in here. But for MMA, it was also a pretty good weekend. And let's get. I want to get straight into the controversy here, Josh Emmett. Jeremy Stevens and it ended at 1 minute 35 of the second round at KO, it says here on Wikipedia, with punches and elbows. But it was a controversial finish. Um, Jeremy Stevens um, put Josh Emmett down. He hit him with a couple of shots on the ground. Then he hit him with, um, with a big left hook on the ground and a couple of elbows, uh, which looked to be illegal on time watching then we obviously went to replay then he threw a knee which looked at the time of watching to be illegal then he yeah he he went down hit him with a with another left hook wasn't it and then two big uh elbows on the ground to put him to sleep now that's how it looked live going back looking at it how did you think what did you think graham what did you think those shots were legal we, we'll say there's kind of four shots i think there's the two big elbows there was the knee going up and then the knee coming down again i think those were the four shots people thought were illegal what did you think i thought the the shots to the back of the head were legal because i don't think he threw them into the back of the head i think emma turned in the, uh, in the process so i don't think they were illegal but i thought the knee um the knee was was illegal the the knee on the ground i think the ref kind of tough he kind of put his arms out like he was going to do something and then it, it ended so quickly afterwards that he kind of went into saving Emmett mode um so it was a strange one like if there had been a replay i'd say it probably would have been a dq but if you go to appeal uh it never ever works out uh, historically anyway and it's a waste of your time and, and it's just it just seems like it's pointless which it shouldn't be because there is when there's a mistake made it should be it should be rectified like a it is big there's like you know big money you you get a show win you get a show um you get show money and you get win money so this is this is big business like this is huge to these fighters like people like Emmett. so it's unfortunate that there's such a bad uh system of, of appeals uh of appeals like with eye pokes and grounded grounded opponents and, and stuff like that but Emmett's probably just better off just forgetting about it and healing up and coming back it isn't probably no point in appealing I really, I don't think there is a case for an appeal, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> my take on it was, I agree with you with the two elbows. I th- One of them was, it hit the back of the head, but the forearm hit the ear at the same time. So that shot is legal. Because, you know, the, the referees say, if you see it beforehand, you if you connect to the ear, they, they said to aim for the ear. And if you hit the ear, it look, where, where wherever the rest of your anatomy hits, that's just kind of tough look on the other guy. So I think the first one was grand. The second one, as you said, his head moved. Watching it in in slow motion is a bit weird, but watching it in fast motion, we say, and it's not that it's not that uh, he moved his head to get away from it. 
his head was kind of moving from the last shot, but his head was moving. And as you said, he wasn't aiming for the back of the head. He was, you know, he was aiming just to elbow him on the ear on the side of the head. He hit him with an elbow to hurt him. I, I don't think that was an illegal shot. It was it was a bit unlucky that it caught him in the back of the head. It definitely caught him in the back of the head. So if look, if you want to argue that, fair enough. I thought the knee didn't connect at all um, on the way up. Uh, where Jeremy Stevens threw it. Now, there's controversy about that. Uh, not controversy, but um, a little bit of misunderstanding. People are saying he needs two hands off the ground. It doesn't matter if you have your two hands off the ground, if your knees are on the ground. It's Remember, the rule is the soles of your feet. That that still counts, apart from, you know, the hands bit, where you if you fingers down and with the new rules, it doesn't go. You have to have two palms down or two fists down. But when you have anything but the soles of your feet down, you're down. So if, you, if you're somehow on balancing on one knee, with your two hands up in the air, you're down. You're down the opponent. You can't be hitting the head. You know, if you're lying on your back with your two hands in the air, your two legs in the air, you're a downed opponent because anything but the soles of your feet is on the ground. So there's no controversy there about that. That he was definitely a downed opponent. If he had been struck on the head, that would be a foul straight away. But I don't think he was struck on the head on the shot up. The knee came down and struck him on the head definitely, and that was an illegal blow. But was it bad enough? An illegal blow to stop the fight at that stage when it's in a big ruckus like that when it's moving when it's going fast are you interrupting the fight is it necessary to interrupt the fight at that stage for a little glancing blow like that that, uh, that clearly didn't hurt him i don't think anyone would argue that hurt him or that caused made any difference to the fight would that be fair i don't think it would to be honest and i think that's the only shot that you should stop it for or that was illegal that was clearly illegal the three shots before it I don't think they were illegal. The one at the end was, but I don't think it's big enough or mattered enough to stop the fight. I don't think it had any effect on him, really. Uh, I don't think. I, I think it did have an effect on him. But I don't think. As you said, I don't think it was as big as the shots before or, or after it mm-hmm. from Stevens. But I think it definitely. Uh, maybe it wasn't the actual knee, but the his leg hit him when he was downed. So uh, if you fail, you fail. I don't think the. I think. I think the ref should have should have uh, given him time to recover and if you couldn't recover then it c- could have been either a no contest if it's ruled uh, accidental or a dq if the ref says it was it was on purpose but like was it really a foul though like if you if you just touched well, the back of someone with, with, a, with a downed opponent with his with a uh, part of the body you're not allowed make contact yeah but what, what about when you have a mai tai clinch when you're holding someone by the back of the head and you're clinching their face like should that be stopped every time you have a mai tai clinch no well, but you're touching the back of their head at that point, aren't you? Yeah, but you're not striking the back of their head. But I mean, he didn't strike the back of his head. Or no, he struck him his head when he was down, though. No, but he didn't. The the one he, the first one he threw missed, and the one coming down, it kind of grazed off him. Like it was, it wasn't a blow. He didn't throw it to hit him there. That the, the time he hit him was in the second motion. There was a motion up to knee him in the head, which if he had hit him, it would have been a DQ or whatever. If he'd knocked him out, which would have been awful. And straight away, I think it would have been a DQ or a no contest or whatever. But the one coming down, that wasn't like a big struck shot to knock him. That was like him putting his leg back down on the ground and he just caught him on the way down, got a grazing shot. Like, mm. fair, it like, looks I to me like he caught him on the way. It looked to me like he grazed him on the way, on the original and on the way down. Um, um, I don't know. They, sh- they, showed, an angle, they showed an angle on on Fox afterwards and on Twitter. I, I don't think many people spread around stuff, but I saw it and it looked like he didn't to me. It looked pretty clear they didn't. A lot of people still saying it grazed him and stuff. I, I don't think that first knee, even if it did graze him, which I don't think it did by, by that angle, I don't think that did enough either. But, you know, 
it, it's definitely it's weird but like people are saying it's a little bit it remind me a little bit of the whole var stuff like if you had instant replay what are they going to do like we're arguing here about it the two of us watching fights you know every week for the last 10 years and we can't even come to agreement with it. lots of people can't like what difference would instant replay have made here i don't think it would have made any really to be honest well, they're probably yeah. Whatever the whatever the the instant replay ref had it called would have been would have been have to would have been probably accepted by more people. I think people a lot of people take what their opinion from the the commentators and the broadcasters are saying, um, mm. and that kind of that kind of is their their opinion. Then maybe like maybe casuals don't really know what's going on, so they're they're relying on that. And sometimes sometimes the commentators aren't exactly uh, unbiased, or they aren't exactly clued in on the rules that we've had. We've had Joe Rogan in the past uh, kind of misinforming the the public about the rules during during incidents and stuff. So it's definitely yeah, it's, it kind of is like VAR where there's there there is some things that replays are going to be still debated on, but there's other things that are that are really clear. Like you know, if somebody gets really po- badly poked in the eye and the ref misses it, and then, like you know something like that, or somebody gets kicked in the in the nuts and things mm-hmm. like that grab the cage and stuff like that so there is ones that are definitely like you know black and white but this one is definitely like you know he did he just graze him or did he clip him enough to to hurt him it, either way it was a it was a re- really ill-advised from jeremy stevens when he had emmett on the ropes like tr- doing something like that nearly nearly cost himself a win bonus nearly cost himself the win uh, a different ref might might have seen it a different way yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it was definitely borderline, you know, in that anyway. Whether he's smart enough to, whether that was smart enough. But we'll we'll actually get into the nuts and bolts of the fight in a second. But you mentioned there the the commentary. Now, let me just mention. So we were talking about this before the podcast, and I don't, I know you didn't see it all, but I, I need to mention here about Dominic Cruz, Daniel Cormier, um, Uriah Faber, Michael Bisping. <clears throat> Cruz came out afterwards, and obviously Jeremy Stevens is a teammate of Dominic Cruz, and Dominic Cruz was on the broadcast. He was in the, he was up above the octagon doing the analysis desk with Michael Bisping, and was it Cam Bryant? Uh, no, no, it was Jay, not Jay Glazer, the other guy, Kurt Minifee. Um And Cruz, to be honest, and we've spoken about Cruz. I know he's your favorite analyst by far, and he's up there, one of the top two or three with Dan Hardy and the likes for me. I thought he was really, really bad, to be honest. Um, I thought he was very, very biased towards Jeremy Stevens, and I kind of agree. Like, I'm on, as people know, for the last 10 minutes we're talking here, I agree that Jeremy, I'm kind of on Jeremy Stevens' side too. In, you know, my opinion is that it wasn't really a foul and it was grand, it should have gone on. But the way he was saying it was like, because the referee didn't see it, it isn't a foul. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not a good argument. Like, the argument is if it's not a foul, it's not a foul. So it was a bit weird. Didn't Daniel Cormier straight away on the broadcast kind of said that it was, you know, he called it straight away, oh, it's a foul, definite foul, kind of, in, in, in a way. And then he was bad too because he stuck with that and kind of refused to look at the new footage. Well, he looked at the new footage and just, you know, it... it What's that phrase they use when it when it's uh, just your your opinion is made more confirmation correct. bias? Confirmation bias that just gave him confirmation confirmation bias of his opinion uh, already, which I didn't think was great. Then Uriah Faber went on Instagram and said <laughs> said Dominic Cruz was talking bullshit and all, and obviously he is one of Josh Emmett's uh, trainers or he works or he owns Team Alpha Male where Josh Emmett trains out of. So it was really weird. Oddly enough, I thought Michael Bisping was the voice of reason. He was kind of talking it out, and I think he did pretty well. But that was a bad moment for the UFC 
commentary and broadcast, and they're usually unbelievably good. Uh, and I thought that was a weird moment, especially from Dominic Cruz. Daniel Cormier, too, didn't think he, he covered himself in any light. Although he was, in fairness, he was giving his opinion, at least giving the reasoning behind things, which which you can understand. I just don't think it was the fairest or the, the best uh, reasoning. But Dominic Cruz, I don't think, was in any way fair uh, and, and was totally biased. And I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think that was very good at all. But um, yeah, usually, usually Dominic Cruz is very good at kind of separating himself from his from his feelings, like when he's when he's commentating or analyzing a, a, a team alpha male or your Roy Faber fight. Obviously, they have a lot of bad blood going back ten or eight eight ten years. And he's but with the Jeremy Stevens thing, he's obviously a, must be a friend of of Dominic Cruz. He's a training partner. He obviously just couldn't. Uh, couldn't separate himself from it, which was surprising. Which is surprising to me because he's usually so good at it. But um, it's kind of off topic. But uh, I think, like I always thought, that they should legalize knees on the ground, and then people, the, the opposition fighter or the other fighter, will be will be ready for it. He won't. It won't come so unawares, and you can actually protect yourself from it. And I think people will think it's oh, it's very vicious, but you know, you get desensitized to it very quickly. I'd say if if it was in now. Uh, from the start, I don't think people people would be saying, "Oh, you need to get rid of it." So I think, I think it'd be. I'd like to see it in, but um, I don't think it's going to come in. But I, I'd like to see you be able to do that. Like if if somebody falls to the ground, like I, I, the soccer kick is maybe a bit much, but knees on the ground. But somebody's trying to go for a takedown on you, you should be able to. Like people can crawl on their knees and come towards. I think you should be able to knee them. Yeah, I, I understand. I see a lot of people saying that to clear it up. I'm. I don't know. I, I'm really. I, I don't really have a strong opinion on it, to be honest. Um, I think in one FC, you see it sometimes. It's really bad, uh, but a lot of times it isn't. And in in the UFC and in other promotions, it can get really bad because the rule isn't there, and it causes causes problems like last night. But last night, I don't think was anything to do with the rule. Really, I think everyone that knows the rule kind of agreed he was down and you couldn't hit him. It was whether it connected or or or, or not. But I suppose that's um. That's a discussion. Yeah. I don't think the controversy is bad for the UFC, though. I think more people are talking about it than, than would be if mm -hmm. it was just a, if it was a nice finish, clean finish. I think a lot of people would be talking about it anyway. But I think even more people are talking about it now, and I think maybe the UFC really don't mind. <laughs> yeah, on the fight anyway, we'll just we better talk about the actual fight for a couple of minutes. It was a, it was a pretty good start for um, for Jeremy Stevens. He was landing a lot of a uh, lot of combos early in the fight. Josh Emmett looked to be loading up a little bit, but then he kind of got lazy a little bit. Um, and uh, he, you know he, he was trying to a big uppercut, I believe, and he was countered by Emmett with a right hand and knocked down at the end of the first round. And then it kind of it it turned. It turned 360, really. Uh, Emmett was moving better in the second round, but he got a little bit too wild, a little bit like uh, Jeremy Stevens is. But I think Stevens has a better chin, and I think he hits harder, and I think that's what happened in the end. Um, he, he countered right with a big uh, right hand and then into a left hook, and that's where, obviously, the whole the whole melee on the ground, you could call it, happened where he you know he landed those elbows and got the finish. But it was... It was a nasty, nasty finish from Jeremy Stevens. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was a good finish. I thought I didn't think there was. Well, there was not. I. I wouldn't say anything wrong with it, but I thought it was. I thought it was okay. And I think we need to give him credit as well for going in there, taking on a guy like Josh Emmett, who's you know knocked Ricardo Lamas into you know into the stars in his last fight, and uh, he took that fight. And it can't be too far away from a title shot now. Uh, with you know a lot of big fights coming up next week, obviously uh, Frank Edgar and Brian Ortega, which we'll get to. But on the on the fight itself, were you impressed with Stevens again, like the last time? 
Yeah, I was, uh, especially because Emmett put a big punch in him and scrambled him a bit, knocked him down. He did well to recover. Um, sometimes he gets a bit wild, but he but he didn't. He, he kept composed and and obviously got got a besides the bit of controversy. It was a really nice finish as well. Like you know, he he uh, he seized on the moment when he when he rocked Emmett, and although he made that one ill advised knee, he his uh, he was pretty precise with his with his shots. Once once he had him rocked, he didn't he didn't. Um, he didn't just flurry hoping to land. He picked a shot, so uh, that was impressive. He's definitely. Oh, I think we were saying last week. He's kind of something seems to have clicked with him. Yeah. He, he, he looks. He looks to be the best he's ever been, and he's he's had a lot of fights and he's fought a lot of top guys. And I think the, the title shot thing. He's, Holloway's beaten him. What, what was it? Two years ago. Two and a half years ago. Uh, 2015 December. Yeah. So you know, just just over two years ago. Yeah, it was a decision though. It wasn't it wasn't a blowout like so? Um, maybe, but I think I think he's going to have to wait for for the winner of um, of Edgar and Ortega first, and he. It depends on what happens with Max Holloway, but uh, I don't see like I don't think the Max Holloway versus Jeremy Stevens pay per view if it's a pay per view is going to sell that well. So I don't know if the UFC would be rushing to put it together, but. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be that surprised if you got a title shot. And like, you know, when you're fighting all these top guys, like he's got an up and down record. He's got a lot of losses in the UFC, but they're all like when you're fighting killers row at at the two divisions, lightweight and and featherweight, it is very hard to to get long streaks going. That's why it's so impressive when when people like Holloway and McGregor and all these guys come in and do so well and put put in such long streaks in these divisions. Yeah, and it's kind of obviously as well. Yeah, it's kind of weird for him too because like you're looking at the rankings and you're looking at him and look at all the guys he's fought. Like he's fought Edgar, he's fought Holloway, he's fought Bermudez, he's fought Cub Swanson, he's fought Darren Elkins, he's fought all those guys around there. Like so, it's it's tough. A lot of people talking about that Darren Elkins fight again. It's four years since it happened. At the moment, Stevens is ranked eight, Elkins is ranked nine, um, which you know. How how is that gonna go? You know, Ricardo Lamas is still ranked above, and these, these rankings obviously they're a joke. Josh Emmett's gonna be pushed down now, but uh, you know that rematch when he's fought so many of the guys already, maybe it's a possibility. Chan Sung Jung is in there as well. Is he gonna come out? He's injured, was he? he was, it's hard to know, but he he kind of goes missing for a while. I know he was out with his um <clears throat> with his uh, military service and stuff, but I think he got injured as well. And Cole Swanson is still, I think, negotiating his uh, his deal, but he fought um. He fought Cub Swanson not too long ago. Jeremy Stevens did. Well, it was 2014 as well. But I think maybe the Darren Elkin fight makes sense. Uh, but it's, I suppose he's going to wait around, to, as you said, until next week. Maybe, you know, if Brian Ortega was to lose to Frank Edgar, maybe that fight might make sense. And Jose Aldo as well. A lot of people a lot of people are talking about uh, Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens, which I, which I think is the is the best fight Jeremy Stevens can hope for, to be honest, because I don't think Aldo is the same as he was anymore. He's going to stand up with him, uh, and Jeremy Stevens can use his power. We saw Aldo recently, obviously, he was knocked out hard by McGregor and given two very bad stoppages as well by um, by Max Holloway and, and you know a couple of wars with Frank Edgar as well, even though he, he beat him fairly handily. But I, I think that would be a good fight. Are you, are you up for that, Stevens versus Aldo? Yeah, I definitely would for that. Uh, I, I like. I know it doesn't really make all that much sense at the moment, but I'd love to see uh, Mirsad Bektic and Jeremy Stevens. Oh yeah, I think Did it's you? like when, like Bektic is he's not the, like he was always a young prospect, and he, he, time is ticking by. Like you want to you put start put, start putting him in some big fights soon. I know he had the, the fight with Darren Elkins uh, only two fights ago when he lost, but it was a great fight, and he he was winning that fight pretty comfortably until it all it all went uh, it all went wrong in, uh, for him. But uh, 
I'd love to see that. I don't think it's going to be next, but uh, I'd like to see Merced Bektic move moved up against a top contender and um, maybe outside of the outside of the the title picture. It's probably the most interesting matchup to me outside of like you know the top three or four: Aldo, Holloway, uh, Edgar, and, and Ortega. Yeah, yeah. Anyone but Frankie Edgar for the title shot anyway. That's all I'll say about it. Uh, right, let's move on. <laughs> people people actually have are starting to call me like a Frankie Edgar hater now, which is which is a well-earned moniker, let's be honest here. But uh, <laughs> I, I just I'd love to see some new you know, new a new breed of featherweights coming through. It's just that division's been on hold so long because of obviously McGregor was away and injuries and you know, Holloway, Holloway needs to get four or five big fights in the space of 18 months against all these new guys and just take them off one by one. And, um, you know, I, well, I don't hope that happens, but I'd love to see him get a chance to do it. Like, and this this constant, I know he's injured now and it was kind of his fault, in, well, not his fault, but like his issue rather than Frankie Edgar's issue or anything. But yeah, I, I think for the sake of the division, it'd be better if Brian Ortega won next week. And there was new life breathed into that division. But um, we'll see what happens anyway. And that's just me and my my curmudgeonly ideas. And this co-main event then between Jessica Andrade and Tisha Torres was an absolutely brilliant fight for three rounds. Back and forth. Uh, Tisha Torres standing in the pocket trading with Jessica Andrade, who's one of the hardest punchers in that division. Um, landed a lot of shots early to Tisha Torres, but Jessica Andrade did a good job of closing off the cage, stopping Torres's movement. Those hooks, you know, we talked, we've talked about Jessica Andrade so many times before, and how she's a little bit like John Lineker. But I actually think she's a little bit better than John Lineker at cutting off the cage. Lineker got really good at there for a while and against certain opponents. He's really good, and I know that the standard, obviously, that Lineker's fighting is a lot higher than the standard um, that Andrade is fighting. I thought she did a phenomenal job of it last night of closing off that that movement and i think patrick wine was talking about it as well on uh, on twitter uh, as i was and it, it was really good tisha torres put in a good performance though so I, I i thought the result was right jessica andrage win but really great fight wasn't it yeah it was really good uh, we were talking about it before it was kind of like a sleeper sleeper fight on the card even though it was in the co-main event and not many people were talking about it and i think um i, I gave the first round to torres and then the next yeah. two to andrage but uh, the third was pretty dominant as well. Uh, she, as we said, she's just able to she's just able to take what people are able to give and come keep coming forward. Even even when she lost the wide wide to uh, Joanna, she just still kept marching forward, always in your face. She's just tough as nails, and it's a hard style to deal with somebody somebody coming loading up punches. And she's gotten a lot more technical in her last three or four fights as well. So she had like when you, that toughness only gets you so far. You do need a bit of technique, and she has got that. Um, the the weight class is much better for her. She looks great at this weight class. Uh, it's kind of you, you, looking at her now. You'd be you'd be like, well, she, it's surprising she was she was ever even up twenty twenty pounds. She doesn't look like uh, she doesn't look like she struggles to make the weight at all. She looks she looks good at the weight. So uh, yeah, for for her, she she's probably hoping that Rose wins now against Joanna uh, in the rematch. She could get, like I, I don't know if they'll be they'll be rushing to get Joanna and Andraj going again if if Joanna wins, but. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it again either. Like uh, maybe not immediately, but uh, for Andrade, I'd like to see her against Rose. I think that'd be a great fight. Yeah, like if you look at Andrade since he fought in JTRX, she's beaten Tisha Torres now, and she's beaten Claudia Gadelia. And the rankings, you know, Gadelia is number three, and Torres is number five. With uh, Kavalkovic is the only one in between, obviously with with. Um, with Rose and Ian Jacek around there as well. So like that's that's no joke. She's gone in there and taken on two of the the 
the highest ranked fighters in that division. As you said, you know, it's not the steepest division in the world, and I don't think it's going to get much to, to get back in there. And obviously, she's only had that one uh, that one title shot at the at, at the weight class. So I, I think it is a possibility, but mm. I think she has no fear of anyone. I think she doesn't mind getting in there and, and fighting someone else and trying to trying to get that title shot. But as you said, I think she'll probably be hoping Rose wins. Yeah, the, the, the two her last two fights, like Claudia Gadella, she she won the decision handily enough, and Teach Torres the same. Like that, that's that's high caliber for for the division. So she's going to be a problem for anybody. And and the Rose fight is is a new fight, so I think they like that, that would definitely suit her more. But like, I think Joanna is probably going to be the. I haven't seen the odds, but Joanna and JJ is probably going to be the favorite going into the Rose fight. But. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Will she be the same after? Like you know, when you you you, you kind of you kind of that kind of aggressive, I'm unstoppable. I'm Joanna champion. Maybe there's a few dates creeping in. Maybe Joanna won't be the same. Yeah, that's a discussion that we will be having on the podcast in about three weeks' time. So ch- tune in for that. And uh, when when that card is coming up, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And I think she's definitely put herself in pole posi- pole position anyway. And Draj, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what she does next. But for for Torres, I think she's still there. There about to won't take too much. It's a pity. Uh, she, like I, I've said it many times in this podcast, I think she's a hundred and five pounder. I think there's a lot of good hundred and five pounders in that uh, UFC strawweight division, the likes of Michelle Waterson as well, and and a few more. Tatiana Suarez is another one probably that that should be down there, and it's just unfortunate that they don't have that division. And I know it's you know there might be enough talent. I actually think there is a, a more talent for that division than there was for one twenty five. But I suppose that's a, a discussion for another day as well. But yeah, I think uh, both women coming out of, come out of that fight with um you know with a lot of a lot of praise and a lot of uh, a lot of new fans. Um, after that, then Ilir Latifi absolutely took the head off of Ovan Sempru yeah. and then subbed him with a Latifi team. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Called out Daniel Carmia afterwards. Yeah, that was a bit weird. I love to give that man his title shot. He deserves it. He's beating Tyson Pedro on OSP. No, I'm only joking, but just, I love him. He's a I great thought Cormier was funny about it as well. He was just like completely yeah. dismissed. He's like, nah, not a chance, mate. <laughs> I think, was, it, uh, was it Todd Grisham or someone? No, Jimmy Smith, I think, said it on Twitter. He's like, no, people don't understand that Daniel Cormier's producer was talking into his earphones, telling him what replays are going to go off. And Cormier's like, what's this guy saying? <laughs> he's like, I have no idea what he's saying. And Cormier was like, oh, no, I think he's after cutting a promo on me. <laughs> sitting there listening to his producer but yeah yeah no that fight's obviously not going to happen uh but latifi latifi for a guy who came in on short notice to fight gegard musasi could fight gegard musasi and caught like 40 pounds or something allegedly <laughs> since since then he's eight and two in the ufc that's that in that that's unbelievable. Like Jan Blakovich, Ryan Bader, he has lost he's beat guys uh like Cyril Diabate as obviously last night OSP, Jan Volante, Tyson Pedro, Sean O'Connell. This is the upper echelon <laughs> of yeah. the UFC light heavyweight division. Three, because three it's losses, so bad. Isn't it? Musashi, it's so bad. Blackwich, yeah, but, uh, um, I said right. after the Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, but uh, like I've never expected Latifi to be this good, but Latifi's actually like a top class UFC heavyweight now. And fair play yeah. to him. Like I, I'm, I'm very impressed with uh, Willie Lerner Latifi and fair juice him. OSP. I, I kind of called it. I thought it was a bad matchup for OSP to be honest. Although I'm when I I called it, I called a lot of fights and fucking ninety percent of them were wrong. But it was a bad matchup for OSP. I think that his jab is just so terrible. Oh my god, it's so awful. Oh, <laughs> oh I can't like I can't enjoy OSP fighting anymore. Even though he Van Plutrots everyone, I just can't enjoy it. Like oh that jab annoys me so much. Just like 
why can't he go somewhere and train with a good boxing gym and learn how to jab? And he'd be an unbelievable fighter. I, th I think that's all he's missing, to be honest. But like, when you, you think that was like, weird, his weird awkwardness and it's just the way he's just so odd, the way he fights and he's yeah. kind of off balance. And do you think that's the, kind of what gets him wins though as well? Because it's so hard to be prepared for that. You don't know what he's going to do. He doesn't know what he's going to do. It, seems. it is. You're right. You're definitely right. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. But I have no answer to that, to be honest. You've, 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 uh, you've, you've caught me out. But yeah, oh, God, it annoys me so much. It just really yeah. Back to Latifi, even yeah. his last loss before he came to the UFC was a decision to Emmanuel Newton. And obviously Emmanuel Newton's a really, really tough Legend. Player. Many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, he's kind of, he's kind of flying under the radar like a, a bit. Like, okay, Ryan Bader lost. Like, everybody knows how, how difficult a style matchup that is. And uh he's 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 over in in bellator now and we were saying last week he's the favorite for the tournament so he's no joke at all and mm -hmm. tyson pedro obviously like he looked great in his last fight and he looked great in his fight before he fought latifi and latifi just just dominated him yeah really uh, better he nearly knocked out better as well Do you remember that yeah yeah better better yeah. end up knocking him out with a knee wasn't it yeah mm, yeah yeah so yeah, um, yeah so like, you know a lot of people come in on these short notices and lose and then it's kind of an uphill struggle but he's turned it around brilliantly and uh yeah, like uh, like Neil Siri, like Neil Siri, that useless fucker. Like he was rubbish. Yeah. He came in starting all this, got destroyed. No good. I saw him training actually in the gym there today. Is he gonna make a comeback for a UFC Dublin? I wonder. I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say so. Get him back in there, Neil, Neil Siri. I'm only joking, by the way. Don't know. Someone's gonna tweet Neil Siri now. Sean Sheridan was talking shit about you on the podcast. Do actually. <laughs> he, might he might listen. We might get a bit of publicity out of it. Might get five more listens out of it. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, Neil's yeah, got a long reach, you know. He's, he's five five followers. Will be on to us. <laughs> I thought you, I thought you were talking about his size there, the reach of his fucking arms. But yeah, he's. <laughs> oh, you were saying we might get five, a few more listens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike Perry then. Mike Perry against Max Griffin. Max Griffin, but on a, a great display. Mike Perry's another one who can't jab. Uh, like. Like OSP, ninety nine percent of fighters in the UFC can't jab properly. But like, no, no, a lot of them can jab. It's just the no. Actually, I take that back. Mike Perry can jab. It's just it. Like Mike Perry is the Mike Perry is OSP after someone tells him to jab. <laughs> that's what he is. He that's exactly what he is. Oh, I don't know about He's that. like, no, no, he is. He's like, you get OSP right. You tell him right. If I I was training, I'm an idiot. Like I'm training OSP right. I got oh Vance right. You have to start jabbing. And I get this into, I say nothing about it for a year to offense bro, you need to jab. And then he goes into these fights and starts, this bollocks is telling me to jab, so I'm going to throw a few jabs. And he throws these wake old jabs just because someone is telling him to jab. And he gets countered off him the whole time and it ruins him and he goes rubbish. That's exactly what Mike Perry did. Mike Perry is a guy who someone's taught him to jab. That I I hundred percent make make that out. Like that that that's what's happening. Because every jab he threw. Max Griffin countered it and hit him and hurt him every time. He was throwing so many lazy jabs. Like, why are you throwing a jab, right? You throw a jab for two reasons. You either throw a jab to hit someone and hurt them with the jab, or you're throwing a punch, like, or you're throwing a jab to throw your next punch, basically. You're look, look at McGregor, they call us what Robin Black called the shite, they killed the cross or whatever. You, you hit him with the first one, line <laughs> him up, and bang, the next one comes in and knocks him out, or it hits him hard or whatever. You, you use it to get your, your lint, you get your distance. That's what you use it for. Or you use it to just hit, right? My Perry does none of them. Why, why is he trying to jab? Look, go back. I, I, uh, I, I talk to anyone here. Go back and look at Mike Perry's fight and look at the jabs he throws and think to yourself after every jab, why does he throw that jab? And I couldn't come up with any reason why he throws the jab. Just he throws it for the sake of throwing it. He, tr he throws it to get countered. 
And every time he got countered, Max Griffin absolutely took him apart and beat him over the first two rounds. Perry just started opening up in the third round when Griffin was kind of uh, waiting it out a little bit. And I thought he maybe won the third round was close enough. But yeah, I, I thought Max Griffin put on a great display because even if, you know, even if someone is giving you all those open shots, it's still tough to take them when Perry can't, all it takes is Perry to throw that right hand once with one of those lazy jabs and he can knock you out. But he never really did that until the third round, and and I think Max Griffin did a great job of uh, of taking him on. But I, I was impressed with Max Griffin. I I know I I've said a lot of bad things about Perry. Um, what did you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was it was a great performance. I thought it was a really good fight as well. Um, it was a great performance from Griffin. Um, you you kind of look back at his record and you see oh, okay, he lost to Cody Covington in his UFC debut. That's that's a really really difficult UFC debut. Like he's a nightmare style for for ninety percent of people. Uh, Covington is. Um, then he beat uh, Eric Montano uh, in the first round, and then he lost the decision to Zaleski. So uh, it, it makes it, it kind of puts a new spin on everything when you kind of look at it and see how well he did against Perry, especially in the first two rounds. I probably gave the, the third round to Perry, but it was it, it was kind of in the bag then for Griffin. Maybe if he needed that round, he he, he might have been able to get it. But um, Perry as well. You look at his record and the kind of different spin on it now as well. You know, he's lost to Alan Joban. His win, he's lost to Fonzanibio, Max Griffin now. And you look at, like, okay, his wins, you, you got Lim, you got Danny Roberts, Ellenberger, and Reyes. But they're not exactly top-caliber guys. Like, uh, Ellenberger, obviously, is, is not the fighter he used to be. And Legend. He, he's he's a, he, Yeah, he was, he, was, he was really good back in his day and all that. But, it's, you know, he's, he doesn't have the chin anymore. He um, almost knocked out the best welter in the world. Yeah, he got knocked out by a cage as well, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> TKO. <laughs> <laughs> Poor lad, like, you know. You, yeah, go on. But, uh, yeah, it kind of put another spin on his record as well because he was kind of a hot prospect in a lot of people's eyes. I know he was making a lot of noise and that, like, a media attention on all helps helps build the hype. But he, like, it's kind of it's his next fight is huge now. You don't want to go on a three fight skid, and he's he's got to make it happen in his next fight, and hopefully the UFC will. will from his perspective, we'll give him give him a, a nice style matchup. But he took a bit of a beating there as well. You want to take a bit of time off, I think. I think like uh, a lot of people were talking talking about um, Perry as in the kind of same sentence as Usman and Till and people like that. I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's ever gonna get there. But looks at things. Maybe he will, but I think they're they're ahead of him at the moment anyway. A good yeah, bit he f- <clears throat> like he fought September, December, and February. Like, that is three fights in five months. That's no joke. You know, that isn't really, really no joke. And I agree with you. He he should uh, he should take a bit of time off. There's a lot. Like, Perry has so much potential, I think. He's only 26 years of age. Remember that? He's, he's still pretty young. He's, he still has a lot of potential. If he could get, you know, we've got a few questions about his, his uh, training and, and stuff, which we'll get to later on in the questions. But I think if he was to get to a bigger camp, maybe, and someone who can take him under their wing, I think he could. He still has a lot of improvement because he's he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a power. He's a great chin. As you, you'd probably say, it won't last long if he keeps taking uh, shots like that. But still a lot to go in, in Perry. And I, I think it was a, a great performance as well by Griffin. I'm looking forward to, to his next one. But you mentioned Colby Covington there just before we move on do you see the tweet he put out last night uh <laughs> very very funny let me let me read it out to you well i shouldn't have said funny there <laughs> very uh mad and insane funny was definitely the wrong word i misspoke there my apologies here it is colby covington quote hey at platinum perry which is my perry's um twitter oh. handle 
maybe having your ratchet horse faced girlfriend as your head trainer isn't the smartest idea on planet Earth. <laughs> but hey, when you're the product of cousins fucking in Ocala, Florida, how strong strong can your decision making skills be? Hashtag UFC Orlando end quote. <laughs> you pretty funny, like, this is the first time Colby Covington has seen the tweet, and I'm like, ah, J- Jesus, Colby. But that was that was that was uh, God, if you're was, gonna go in, go all in. I suppose. <laughs> that, was, that was mad. All right, that was his best tweet since the fucking Star Trek thing or the Star Wars, whatever it's called. Oh, since, he triggered, since he triggered you with the with the, the he'll he'll bury Carl Pendred like oh, the yeah, that was bad. He buried the Irish. He did trigger me with that one, all right. But uh, <laughs> that was before uh, that was before he was really doing this. Well, he wasn't really doing it back then, was he? He was just a dickhead back then, I think. Was he? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, the ratchet heart of his girlfriend. Jesus Christ, called me. Good God Almighty! But he uh, does bring up kind of like uh, he's not bringing that up, but it kind of reminds me of the point, like having your your like um, your girlfriend or your wife or whatever in your corner. I don't know if it's the best idea, unless she, unless she's a high level trainer or, or martial artist herself. Um, maybe the moral support is, is important for some people, but there's only limited spaces in your corner. Maybe maybe like a, a slight uh, somebody who's who knows what they're, what they're talking about in the corner could have told him a slight adjustment, and he might have been able to take one of the first two rounds and won that fight, you know, that can be the difference. He's still my boy. <laughs> like you can have her in the background. You can have the girlfriend in the background screaming like Eddie Alvarez. Is, uh, yeah. yeah, I love Eddie Alvarez. But uh, I actually thought she wasn't that bad. Apart from when she said, I think a lot of people are, are saying she's bad because she said, kick him in the knee. And then she said, break his leg when the thing went to him. And I think, you know, kick his yeah, that's Mike Perry, like, and I think that's just his kind of his vibe. I think that you know, if you've heard Mike Perry, he's he's a bit of a scumbag, like he's robbing houses off. If you heard him on the MMA hour, and a lot of people said, oh, he's rehabilitated and all, but I listened to that and I was like, God Almighty, Mike Perry's a tremendous scumbag altogether. And you know, I think it's just, I think this is a stick though. To be honest, I think it's he's just, I know, he's like in jail and everything, like, and he's, I know, but I think he's like he he knows that he's, he's he wants to be the heel. I think so. He's just playing it all up. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But I actually done in the corner uh, in between rounds i thought she was actually okay i thought she did okay but uh yeah we'll get a little bit more than that later on anyway we're gonna move on here we're gonna be here for about eight hours uh brian yeah. keller in was a pretty good fight um sarah mcmahon threw it away again angela hill put on a terrible terrible fight with marna Rose, but deserved the win a good good enough performance by her alan joban got a huge knockout of vin saunders absolute chaotic year and I didn't see any of the other prelims. Anything, anything out of those bottom eight fights there that uh, you want to talk about or that you were very impressed by? Um, yeah, well, just kind of the fact that you're kind of breezed by a Barrow fight a couple of years after he, he was yeah. being proclaimed by Dana to be the n- number one pound for pound fighter in the world, and it's it's a real fall from grace. Uh, TJ put a put a beating on him, and he doesn't seem to be, been able to come back from that. Um, it's it's he just looks shot. He just he he just looks. He's never. I don't think he's ever going to get back to anywhere near what, what he was. It's yeah, kind of sad, agree, but, um, yeah. that that he's that he's fallen so quickly. Usually, like you know, you'd see kind of sparks of of the old brilliance because he was. Do you remember that like back take on Brad Pickett when I think it was maybe even Brow's UFC debut, maybe or one of his first UFC fights? It was unbelievable, and it was just these sparks of brilliance and flair that he just doesn't even seem to have anymore. 
Yeah, he was an excellent fighter. Remember that spinning back kick against Eddie Wineland? Yeah. Where he caught him coming in, knocked him out, absolutely destroyed Michael McDonald. Uriah Faber took him to pieces twice. He was brilliant, like, but it just, it's short lived. I think Mookie Alexander said it. What is he? I think he's a, is it a 13 year vet of the sport? And, you know, how many fights? I mean, let me just look at his record here. What is it? 41 41 fights last night. It was his 41st fight. You don't ride for free in MMA. You know, you definitely don't ride for free in MMA. And I know he had a lot of wins. You know, what did he like 20 wins or something in a row at one stage? Uh, but still, you're still taking shots. You know, a lot. What he's had 15 fights, got a decision. Some of them five rounders. You know, that's that's no joke. That is really no joke. And uh, you, you, MMA is is a very unforgiving sport, and you just can't keep going all the time. But uh, I actually thought he wasn't that bad last night. I was, I, I'm very impressed with Brian Keller. I thought he's he was a, uh, he put in a good performance last night, and I think he's a very good fighter. And I think um, doing Irish MMA proud, get him on the UFC Dublin card, which we're moving to right now. UFC Dublin. See that for a fucking segue. That was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, I missed my chance to play the Hannah Brown song. Did you, what's the Hannah Brown song? What's the Hannah Brown song? Yeah. No. <laughs> 29 in a row. Your buddy was fighting favor. <laughs> That's the best line. He has Jen, Jen's pulver smile. <laughs> 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 is a monster and he really is but yeah UFC Dublin we did a little uh, snippet about it over on our YouTube so we won't spend that long talking about it right now but if you didn't see Peter Carroll announced it for my birthday the 27th of May 2018 I said it was 2017 on that uh, video and I don't know which year it is numbers were never my strong point but there you go anyway. <laughs> Uh, Matt's degree, what would I know? Uh, but yeah, I'm I can't go to the card either because I have a wedding that day. David Farrell, fuck you, change your wedding. Um, but it, I'm looking forward to it. It's good to know that the UFC is coming back to Ireland. We were thought we were forgotten about a little bit at the time, mm. but let's get well, it hasn't a, fully been announced yet. But yeah, the UFC haven't refuted it or anything, so it looks and um, it looks mm -hmm. to be uh, it looks to be like it's gonna go ahead. It's a Sunday card as well, which uh. It's a little strange, but I suppose... Uh, yeah, I, was talking, really... I was talking to Pizzi about it after, obviously, he announced he was saying there's a holiday in America, a Memorial Day, I believe, that weekend. Uh, and oh, he was saying that's the reason. But, uh, yeah, I think they've been trying out Sunday cards anyway, aside from that, and, and they want to do that. They did it a couple of weeks ago, and I think Dave Meltzer was saying that as well. But um, we're, we're obviously going to talk a lot about it over the next few months and weeks and what, uh, what the main event could be. But let, two, two quick things here. That we kind of talked about on the, on the video, but we'll recap them for the people who are just listening to the podcast. Main event, we'll get the first, and then we'll get to what Irish fighters we think will be on it. Look, Gunnar Nelson is the obvious one that people will think of as the, the main eventer here. He's training SPG at the moment in Ireland. Whether he knows something that we don't know, you know, I don't know. Uh, Darren Till could be one wonder by thompson maybe not maybe a little bit too high you know my perry one last night max griffin is another one uh that could be their expectations i don't think can be that high i, I mentioned donald Cerrone as well one of them could be likely what would all of them be be realistic enough do you think yeah i think i uh, till express uh, expressed interest uh in the last couple of days in, in fighting in dublin and mentioned gunner by name so um, I definitely think Gunnar be interested in that fight. He definitely be interested in the headline. And, and in Dublin, there's a there's a lot of or in Ireland, there's a lot of fans for Gunnar um, that will come over from Iceland as well, which is, which is obviously close enough to Ireland. And there's a big fan base for Gunnar in Ireland as well. 
because because of the SPG connection and because because uh, he main evented and fought on a lot of like cage contender and cards like that in Ireland uh, before he was in the UFC. So uh, I think that makes sense. Um, the, the Darren Hill fight would be great, but somehow I don't know. I think we might be we might be disappointed. We might end up getting something not quite as good as that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, the, the, maybe hopefully I'm wrong, but maybe the last few, the last few, um, the last couple of UFC cards over here, just just in in even in London and in the EMEA region, haven't been great. Um, the last Dublin card kind of wasn't the UFC's fault. It kind of fell apart. Like the two main fights kind of fell off, which is like that's going to affect any card, especially a fight night card. So that that was more unfortunate than anything. Like that that Duffy Parier fight was a great fight, and that Ben Rothwell. Um, Steve fight was a great fight as well. So hopefully they we like if, if we got a caliber of like similar to that, I, I I take it definitely. But um I saw somebody tweeting, I can't remember who it was, somebody tweeting, ah, the excitement before the disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> very true, very true. But I hope it's a terrible card because I can go on fuck dollar fuck the rest Oh yeah, we kind of mentioned on the, the review on the re- or on the reaction video we did um that we released on the podcast feed as well. That uh, talking about Richie Smullen, who's obviously on the Ultimate Fighter now, but um, the Ultimate Fighter is the first air date is set for the 18th of April, um, and um, it's uh, the the finale is due to be on the 6th of July, so it doesn't really line up time wise for Smullen to be on uh, the UC Dublin card unless unless he ends up losing early on in in the show and it's already aired. Didn't that uh, happen with Pindred as well, though? Um. I think it did. No, I think Pendred was just moved from the finale card to the Dublin card. I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe they could do that with him as well. But it's it's, it's, the finale is going to be in July 6th. uh, mm, Usually it's a two-week break between the last episode of Tough and uh, the finale usually. Yeah. Or is there, there isn't even a two. There used to be. I think it's just straight away now. Yeah, yeah. You're. That's a that's a fair point in fairness. Before we get to that uh, and a couple more of the Irish lads, I think it was Andy Count mentioned, I don't know, the, the lads talked about on, on Talking Brawls as well, I think PT might have mentioned it, about Darren Till, and he's represented by MTK. Uh, and a few people were asking about this, they don't really, they didn't know what it was, right? MTK are Mac the Knife, MTK Global, I think they're called. They're a boxing management firm, and they like run, they have this media uh, thing as well, where um, IFLTV, I believe, they're sp- they sponsored him and they kind of, you know, paid him to, to be their mouthpieces and stuff. Uh, but they're a, a management team to have Carl Frampton and Michael Cannon and a few more, but they have banned all of their fighters from speaking to Irish media and they've stopped um, talking to Irish media because their origins are with the, the Kinnans, obviously the crime, crime group in Dublin and they, they say they've cut ties. I, I haven't looked into too much, I just saw their, their statement, but they say they've cut ties with them and that the Irish media, boxing media or media in general are still basically saying that they still have ties with them and they think it's unfair and you know they're they're pulling out of uh you know having not signed any more irish fighters not letting any of their fighters talk to irish media which is a boxing issue obviously but then we got to darren till who's represented by them as well uh and obviously i said they're not letting any of their fighters fight in ireland so will darren till be allowed fight in ireland or is this just the boxing thing will it reach over to mma I suppose that's an interesting question if anyone's mm. interviewing or anything to, to actually ask him. But yeah. Well, he did mention that he'd like to fight in Dublin, so he, I don't know if, if he'd probably have to run it by his management team, obviously, but uh, if it was a big card, big opportunity for him, it would be silly to turn it down over some, some boxing media, some feud with the boxing media, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem to have anything to do with MMA. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I wonder, does, would, he, would he consider Steve Steve and Sean, uh, Callie Steve and Sean Betts, uh, 
Irish media or can we can we can we send them down? Get, oh, the, I know. get the scoop. Well, I know it's one of Niall McGrath's four guests that's, that he has on rotating that's gone now if, if he can't be interviewed by Irish people. So, Paul Filder and Bam Bam Healy, get your phones at the ready, you'll be banned. <laughs> Bam Bam hasn't been on in ages. Has some not? kind of falling out there, has there? Oh, it must have been must have falling out. He must have given him an excuse <laughs> to someone else. Uh, but, yeah. but before we move on, Irish fighters on on the card we had dylan chu coming out there last night replying to the the podcast twitter giving out well maybe not giving out but kind of laughing at the fighters that that we had suggested and maybe i don't know maybe he was wanting himself to be included but i think he, he should be included what is he four and one now i know he lost two fights ago but if you're looking at the guys obviously chu should be in there joe mccolgan as well was tweeting out about it he's been unbelievably good recently he's obviously beat peter queely another one who was there they're about to get to the ufc before i think he might need a, a couple more wins but you know, could get them. Paul Redmond, I think, is the definitely the, f- the front runner. I think I, I said he was three and one. He said he corrected me. He said he was four and one. Obviously, beat Alexis Savidis who fought last night and did well against Paddy Pinder, which we'll get to. Artem Labov could be in there as well against Alex Caceres. Joe Duffy's injured. Don't know. Probably won't be back. But I suppose we'll have to get an update and Joe with that. He said it'd be out six months to Nile. He was licensed Aaron Park, for Crosby, Will Flory. Uh, anyone, Moore, I think Carl Moore, yes, yeah, he's, he's, he's fighting a, a guy called Mario Sorelli at Cage Warriors 92 uh, in at the end of March. So he has enough time to get a turnaround as long as as long as uh, it's not some mad war back and forth with a big suspension. So he should be all right if, if he can if he can win that handily enough, and he'll have the two belts. He'll be he'll be what is he eight and one nine and one now? Let me just double check that. Um, yeah. he's eight and one now, so he'd be nine and one. I think he, if he can win that and have the two belts, have the bit of the, the media will pick up on the because they can put Conor McGregor's name in the headline, you know, the first man since Conor McGregor to hold two belts in Cage Warriors. So I can see that spreading around and getting a bit of interest behind Carl. Uh, Carl does Carl Moore doesn't really do that much media, he's a hard man to track down, but um, he might start ramping it up now when he sees the UFC coming. Um, he, he he obviously has to keep his eye on the on the prize. You don't want to you don't want to go in there against a heavyweight uh, thinking about some, some, something else. Uh, you could go horribly wrong very quickly. But um, I think he's one of the front runners as well. I think it's too soon for for the others. Like the the timeline, the timelines just aren't really aren't really uh, lining up, and the records aren't really there for a lot of guys yet. Like even like Will Flurry kind of replied as well, saying that he's ready to go. But I think the UFC would be much more likely to go with with. Carl Moore than than Will Flurry just because of the records and and um obviously the the two belts if Carl can get them is would definitely stand towards him and obviously these guys like Dylan and all these other guys that we, we were talking about they're obviously big prospects for the future but I think it's too early I don't I don't think it'd be a good decision for them to go into the UFC this quickly you know you still have time to to develop your game and go into the UFC when you're ready you don't want to be in there and out of there before you know it you know yeah uh what about Chris Fields as well he's won his last two he's a fight mm. coming up here in two weeks time or something if he was to go three and all fighting a light heavyweight now move his record on to 13 and seven it could be when a shout you know there isn't that yeah uh, we were talking about light heavyweight before there's much there you know there's a lot of european light heavyweights knocking around in the ufc as well yeah he had some exposure on the ultimate fighter as well it wasn't like it's not as if it was one of the really popular seasons like uh, ratings wise but it was still it's, it's a bit more exposure to the to the casual fans or to the the, the non-Irish or the non-European fan base, and um, yeah, light heavyweight is is a bit. Uh, Chris has obviously moved up to light heavyweight for his last three fights, and he's he's got a he looked really good up there, or his last two fights, and this one coming up, and he's looked really good there. So uh, an impressive win here against against a tough guy at KSW forty two. 
at the start of March in, in a week's time. There's enough time for a turnaround there as long as he comes out on, uh, without too much damage. And I, uh, for people like 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 Chris and and maybe even Redzer and Norman, I, like I think the best opportunity, or even Queeley, people like that, the pe- pe- the best opportunity of getting in is to stay ready on weight and hope somebody falls out or so, some fight gets moved to a different card and or whatever. You know, just be ready to re- be a replacement. I think that's probably the most likely option for them. I don't think the UFC are going to be signing six, seven, five, six, seven Irish guys to put on the card. I think they'll be happy enough with like Gunny, Artem, and maybe one other or two others. Yeah. Friends Milan Boswell might be a A lot of these guys, you know, they probably won't, but maybe one or two of them might, you know, Aaron I think it's just too early for, all, for nearly all of them, to be very honest. Very early, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any rush. You don't want to get in there too soon. There's no rush, I don't think. Yeah, I'd say the likes of John, John Phillips as well. He's fighting in London coming up, isn't he? He's fighting in SPG, but he's a Welshman, obviously. Amir Kani could be on it as well. Yeah. Uh, fighting out of SPG, you know, there's uh, a lot of guys around there. So there's definitely someone we're forgetting now. Think, think, think up there, Graham. Who's like a good the, the Reese, the Reese one with the world title in, in quotation marks in Bama. Oh, uh, yeah, so I, I said in quotation marks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that obviously though, the, the prop is effective. Like you know, it gets a bit more more hype behind it. Like you know, even when you're fighting for for a Lonsdale title or a Bama title, it, it does have a bit more a bit more interest behind it just due to the jewelry basically um mm-hmm. so m- maybe but i uh, even for reese i'd say stay ready stay close to weight and hope they give you a late, late call I, I don't think it's that likely like you know this card is going to be airing on um as you say what is it what did you say it was memorial day or something was it yeah i think so that's what pizza said anyway, so yeah, they're not gonna, they're, they're not going to want like i, I don't think the UFC are going to want like you know eight of the fights being irish guys out of, out of 10 or out of 11 i think yeah, well, when I mention all those names, now I'm thinking maybe one. No, maybe obviously, no, I know, but people are people are uh, people on Twitter are sending like, "Oh, what about this? What about this?" And people are talking about oh, Conor McGregor versus this is uh, unbelievably, extremely unlikely that Conor's going to fight on this card. Like, it'll be I'll be absolutely shocked. Uh, it's a, not a pay per view. It's it only seats what nine and a half, ten thousand people. Um, it's just it's just extremely unlikely. It'll be on free TV. It's just not going to happen. I don't I don't think yeah. it's very very unlikely. The biggest draw on the whole card won't be there either, as I'll be down in Clarny drinking points. So that's tough. Here's a here's an unbelievably good segue. Do you know the fight? The, if I had to make one fight for UFC Dublin, maybe, like on the open up the main card. Do you know what fight I'd make? Paul Redmond versus Paddy Pimblett. That's the fight I'm. I've talked about that fight for years. Paul Redmond once gave out to me for saying Dude, they should make that fight because I said it like two weeks for a Dublin card or something, and he was like miles off weight and that. But one fifty, they're both at one fifty five now. Both at their natural weight classes. What is it? Three months away. Sign up, Paddy Pimblett. He, he he deserves to be in the UFC. He's a big name. He's he's improving. He can do his plenty of improvements in the UFC. There's lots of light uh, lightweights there to fight. Paul Redmond definitely deserves another chance. I want to see that fight. Let's yeah, it's it actually up. after the or during the and after the uh, Savitas fight that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, I would like really like to see how Redzer and Paddy Pimble match up on the ground and and how they match up just in general. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting matchup. I think there's a lot of really interesting matchups even for Paddy Pimble even outside. Like you know the Brandon Lockney fights. Uh, people are still talking about that. People want to see that the Redzer fight and like they can happen outside the UFC. They can happen in the UFC. Um, Obviously, I think all parties would probably prefer. Most parties would have preferred to do it in the UFC, but um, either way, I'm 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 interested to see, to see Paddy against all these guys, and it's uh, obviously we're going to talk about it in a minute. But uh, it was a vital win for Paddy. 
Yeah, let's okay. let's get to that. Um, obviously, Alexis Savidis and, and Paddy Plunder opened up the Cage Warriors main card from the Echo Arena, I believe it was, in Liverpool this weekend. Uh, and it was a really, really, really good fight. High-level groundwork in the first round. I gave it to Paddy Pimble. I think you agree with me. I think his effective grappling yeah. was more effective than the effective striking of Savidas, which was better than P- anything Pimblet landed. But there wasn't really that much striking. When I say striking, it was a lot of ground and pound, you know, when Pimblet was kind of catching him in a leg lock and stuff. But it's effective effective grappling and striking. And, and I think Pimblet's grappling was absolutely tremendous. Got a good takedown early as well. Came into the second round. A lot of the same good work again. And Paddy looked very good. Savidas looked good as well. You know, it was a, a very even fight, tremendous fight. And then Paddy threw up that that flying triangle and caught him, you know, straight on in it, brought it to the ground, looked to have him in a triangle transition, got him in the in the arm bar. So it was kind of an arm bar triangle. Definitely finished him with the arm bar though after the flying triangle attempt. And it was it, this was exactly what Paddy Pimblet needed, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a nice highlight that you, you, I've seen it shared around Reddit, Twitter, and all. It look it looks great. Like the flying triangles are rare, very rare, and they they look they look just look beautiful when when they're pulled off at that. And uh, um, yeah, I think it was actually probably the, the triangle was locked up, but I think it was actually the armbar that made Savita yeah. stop. And obviously, it was a combination of the boat, but I think that was he was like, okay, I better tap here, or I'm just gonna snap. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, I think Pimlet won the first round. I didn't, uh, it was it was close, but I think um, his heel hook attempt I, I thought was closer. It's, it's always hard to know looking at it, but maybe only only the two lads themselves would know how close it was. But I thought thought that was the closest uh, the closest uh, to being to finishing the fight in the first. And I thought he spent more he spent more time on on top and. Um, it was it was close. Like I, I like it obviously didn't matter in the end, but. Uh, as you're watching, you're kind of like, oh, this could, if this goes the full distance, this could be another controversial one, <laughs> another controversial decision where people who don't like, <clears throat> or a lot of people who don't like Paddy would probably be saying, oh, he lost that, for, that round. And a lot of people who do like him be saying he, he did. And it's, it's one of them ones where you can kind of argue it both ways. But uh, yeah, no, I think most people that I saw on Twitter and, and yourself or whatever agreed that Paddy, Paddy had jet the round. And it was, it was a vital win for him because. You know, there's a lot of pressure in front of all these these uh, hometown crowd are there to see y- yourself and Molly McCann, and um, you're obviously coming off dropping your belt and pe- a lot of criticism. People are like, you know, he's a very young guy. What is he? 23, 24. He's mm-hmm. still very young, and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders for a lot of time already. And it, he he seems to, he seems to he seems to handle it well, but it must it must be it must be like you know he must be thinking like I, I have to win this fight like i have to win this fight beforehand and that puts a little bit of extra pressure on yourself as well yeah i, I think you made a few good points there i think <clears throat> uh, th- that interview he did with harry williams before for for severe man if you haven't read it yet i i I'd advise you to go and read it he seemed like a different patty pillman to me like Paddy Pimba before was a guy who really wouldn't take on the constructive criticism, maybe, or came across to me as that, and maybe it's because he, he gave me shit one time over it, but I, I don't mind that. But I, after two fights ago, the Julian Orosa fight, I, I thought he... Obviously, we were going to talk about that fight at the time, and we're going to say that it was. I thought it was pretty close to a robbery. It was... It was a bad, I thought it was a bad decision. I definitely thought Paddy lost, but look, we moved on to the next fight, and then he did lose, and that was obviously very a very clear loss, and I don't think anyone argued with it. But something needed to change, you know. Something had obviously happened. You know, he signed a new contract with Cage Warriors. Maybe he was thinking, you know, that he had made it or something, and and maybe you know, maybe he did need that kick up the arse to take 
come and be as good as he is now. Or look, obviously, it was around and a half. We don't know. Maybe he still has those problems. But we, he looks, but by that interview he did, and by the fight he put on, and by the way he's spoken before and after that fight, it looks like he's he's turned around. He looks like he's maybe taken a little bit of that constructive criticism on board. And we talked about it after his last fight, which he lost. <clears throat> like you just mentioned, there he's he's still young. Don't rule Paddy pinned it out. Like he's had two, he had two bad performances in a row lots of people have bad performances and come back and win. You know, look at Demetrius Johnson, the best fighter we've ever seen. He lost. Uh, George St. Pierre, Conor McGregor, they've all lost, you know, all of them. And and, and I'm not putting Paddy Pimblet up there with them, but I'm just saying it's normal for fighters to do that when they're young, when they're maybe not as experienced, and when they're just moving in maybe to that, uh, I'm going to use your word again, the upper echelon of of his current class at that time or his current uh, standing. So I, I think at the time... You know, we were we were you know keeping an even keel about that loss, and I think you keep an even keel about this win as well. That he's still, we said that after last fight, so he's still a top prospect in Europe, still has a lot of improvement improving to do 100%. But he looked on the ground, Paddy Pimblett has always looked really, really good. If he can put the striking with that as well, which you know he seemed to be doing. Uh, recently, he, those two fights will stand to him where he went, uh, where he went five rounds and both of them. They definitely will stand to him going forward. Uh, and I think you know, not getting too high, not getting too low on Paddy Pimblett is the way to go for another few fights. I think, but he's definitely one of the top prospects uh, in Europe and a you know a really, really, really good fighter. And I think he. You know, he was looking for a Cage Warriors title shot. He obviously had the Cage Warriors title before. He's now moved up to, to lightweight, which I think was a big thing as well because he was struggling at featherweight. But yeah, it's onwards and upwards now for Paddy Pimble. You're muted. Sorry, I was muted there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was just shiting on there. And... <laughs> oh, shit. Um... Don't cut that out. Don't edit that out. <laughs> I'll leave it in, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. He's, he's young and, like, you know, half the battle or more than half the battle in MMA as a private contractor trying to make your brand is to make people care. And people care. People care about Paddy. You know, they do. People, like, you post an article, people will click onto the article or click onto, or you have it on Reddit or wherever, or reply on Twitter or Facebook. And they have a strong opinion either way, and that's huge. You know, that's huge. You do, like even if you're not good at MMA, which which Paddy is, like Paddy, like he's great on the ground. He's 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 a good all round fighter for for like you know twenty three, like well twenty three, twenty four, whatever it is. Like there's so much time and room for improvement, and these fights and these camps and um will, will definitely stand to him. And like I think I think people were expecting him to sign for the UFC the last time he signed for Cage Warriors and. He was on uh, the MMA air, and um, he kind of he kind of hinted that uh, he was getting a big deal. So people kind of assumed as the UFC, but I think that would have been too early for him. I think I think there's no rush. Like, that's what I'm saying with the kind of Dublin card, even like you know, Paddy's Paddy Pimblett's a bit further on than than a lot of these guys we mentioned, the Irish guys we mentioned. Uh, but I, I think there's no rush. You, you know. Okay, you probably get paid more, and but the UFC deals aren't aren't massive unless unless you're already a brand before you get there and i think paddy's making himself into a brand i think the the liverpool shows in 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 the crowds at the liverpool shows the cage wars are putting on in the echo arena like like the one on friday night like the uc must be looking at them being like these just guys are real draw like you know that's 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 only good that's only going to make your 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 wage and your or your show and win bonus bigger when you actually do sign for the ufc so uh, i think it was a good decision to to stay out of the ufc when he when he signed for cage wars again and I think it's uh, he was talking about going for the, the lightweight belt in uh, in Cage Warriors, as you mentioned, and his uh, his teammate Fishgold is there, but as as uh, it's a champion there. But he said, uh, Paddy said himself in the post fight interview that he thinks uh, Fishgold is going to be moving on to bigger and better things soon. So I think it makes sense for him to to 
fight for the cage where lightweight belt have another have, an, have another big fight there uh, as the star of the show and then look at signing for the UFC yeah 100% right let's move on to Molly McCann in the main event who took on Brianne Tyrell which if I was a woman I'd love him. my name was Brianne I, I love that name it's a really good name <laughs> I don't know why but there you go very one-sided <laughs> that was weird but yeah very one-sided fight <sighs> This was a mismatch, really, to, to be honest. Um, I think Brian was coming up in weight as well. I know it's very hard to find women around Europe to fight, especially someone like Molly McCann, who's obviously improved a- an awful lot. You know, Molly is, is still young as well, and, you know, she hasn't obviously that many fights, and she is definitely, you know, if you're talking about in her division in Cage Warriors or in, you know, around uh, around Europe, maybe uh, Lipsky. I'm, I'm, what, what, where is she? I'd say she's probably up there with her as well. Um, as one of the best. She's definitely, you know, one or top one or two in, in Europe in, in that kind of, uh, I'm going to use the word echelon again, but is, I'm stealing <laughs> your word now, but I, I still think she has is someone with a lot of improvements as well to do. I, if they can get her three or four more fights, I think that'll work out very well. I think they can build a star out of her as well. Obviously, she mentioned it last night that uh, she's she's uh, obviously female and she made a point about that um, headlining the card. And I think that's big as well. You know, people weren't leaving after the Paddy Pimda fight. There's still a lot of people there at the end. And uh, I think it's it's good for Cage Warriors to have someone like her. And the Cage Warriors are unbelievably good at producing stars, you know, and, and put them in, putting them into the, those headlining positions in their hometown like they did with, you know, McGregor or even Pindred back in the day when he won the welterweight belt or you know Neil Seary was there as well maybe not headlining but in on the card or now in Liverpool as well and um, I think it's a good time you know to be Molly McCann a good time to be a Cage Warriors champion from Liverpool so yeah it's onwards and upwards for her but impressive again wasn't she just thinking about thinking about the the, the lightweight division after uh, a fish goal is moving on like Paddy Pimble seemed to suggest uh, mm-hmm. obviously Joe McCulgan was on to us saying he's ready for for Dublin if they want him but uh, I, I'd like to see Joe McCulgan and Paddy Pimble um, in, in cage wars as well so we, we mentioned Loch Nain, we mentioned other guys earlier there's loads of fights out there for Paddy Pimble that mm-hmm. people are interested in and that who, whoever wins like if, if, like if, if you can get a win over Paddy Pimble that's a big win that, that'll make people take, take notice and it, there's a lot of eyes on it so He's he's got a big target on his back, but he, he doesn't seem to mind. He seems to he seems to enjoy it. So uh, uh, Molly McCann as well, like you know, uh, she kind of I don't know, like maybe to get time for the UFC, you, you, to, to make the UFC really want to get you, like you you want to be getting finishes. And she has she has what three three finishes in her last five fights. So that so that's good. She's mm-hmm. she's headline card. She's she's shown the or she's the the crowd uh, at the event as you mentioned have shown interest in her. That's another that's another good sign. Um, the, the obviously Liverpool uh, Liverpoolians are obviously known for for supporting their own as well. I, I could see people she's traveling. Nevertonian. She's Nevertonian, please. No, but Liverpoolian like the 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 city. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm only joking. Um. They're, like I'd say, they travel to see Paddy. They travel to see Molly. So they bring interest on like a EMEA card, especially like a, a UK card or or an Irish card. I think I think the UFC will be will be looking at Molly Molly McCann very soon to bring her in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not very, much very... There's not much left for her, as we were saying. You know, she's fighting um, uh, a woman, a girl who's usually fights 10, 10 pounds below and. It's not really anybody's fault because, as we were saying last week, Invicta and the U- and the UFC have kind of signed everybody up, and there's not there's just not that much option out there. She's already gone through like she's already already gone through a lot of the options. So, 
I think it makes sense for her to go to the UFC uh, as well soon, uh, very soon. Who'd win, Molly McCann or Mackenzie Dern? Hmm. Um, I'd probably go Molly McCann. Would you? Woo! Molly McCann is she's been caught out in the ground before, maybe hasn't looked the best, but her takedown defense looked a bit better last night. She she hits very hard. Yeah, when you start getting hit in the face, as they say, you just do turns from from black belt to brown belt to purple belt. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Make that fight happen. I kind of want to see that fight now. I think um I think she's fighting next week, McKenzie Dern. But we'll get to that in uh, one more segment. This is going to be a long podcast. Yeah, we better. Conor McGregor. We'll move along. Conor McGregor this week put out a tweet after Dana White. I'm taking full responsibility for this because I put up like a tweet about Dana White saying that Conor McGregor might never fight again. And like a half an hour later, Conor McGregor put up a tweet saying, I'm ready to fight. So I'm I'm taking 100% credit for all this. Well, thank you. All the websites, MMA Junkie, MMA Fight, you should all pay me a fee for getting you lots of clicks this week because I'm Push taking out. all the credit for Push this. Out. Give me my money. Play me. I'm Sean Sheehan. Tune your own horn with lies. Send it on, but anyway, no, yeah. McGregor tweeted out, uh, I'm ready to fight, uh, I'm the best at this game. He said that he'd step in for Frankie Edgar, uh, for Max Holloway, sorry, against Frankie Edgar next week at UFC 222. Is that the name? Of it? Yeah, uh, Ali Al Delaziz, Frankie Edgar's manager, came out and called McGregor a prostitute, said it was all lies, <laughs> basically. Mark Henry came out with this unbelievably dumb rant uh was very funny as well and you could just imagine mcgregor at home laughing as he reads his uh as he reads his iphone 10 uh <laughs> and and uh looks at all the ruckus he crossed but um yeah it was it, it was kind of good to see mcgregor back on the mma wavelength wasn't it yeah it was uh obviously the tmz the tmz has now taken the call on it um <laughs> no way has he yeah yeah well he's right though <laughs> as well it's very american to say z uh... But uh, uh, I suppose that it is an American company. Um, sorry, I'm just completely gone off point. But uh, yeah, the, inter- the interview with Dana, he he was non-committal again on the the interim slash real title being on the line for for Habib and Tony. He, he was kind of uh, the 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 guy who was interviewing him on the street was kind of asked three or four different different ways, and Dana just kind of wouldn't answer. And then at the end, Dana just kind of goes right, and then just kind of waits for the next the next question and. I think I think we're not going to find out until until uh, Tony and Habib have actually made weight and are ready to go. Uh, they don't want to strip Connor. I think people people we've been talked we've talked about this. Other people have talked about this. They don't want to strip Connor and then the Habib and Tony fight fall apart on them like it has the past, was it three or four times already. Yeah, two thousand and what is it? Last three years in a row, and I was yeah. yeah. So you'd look pretty silly if you stripped your champion and to have another fight for the belt, and then that fight never happens and it just it just makes it even bigger mess yeah yeah i i'd i'd probably agree with that yeah i think that's uh that's likely to happen but yeah it's look it's good to see mcgregor saying he's going to come back and fight again it's going to be i think there's fights there that are uh, can pay conor mcgregor fly may with a fight obviously nobody wants to see that but if that was to be put no. together in mma Floyd's or boxing never do that. Our, our, you know our boxing that's i think that's a that's a possibility that it, you know if it took in half the amount of viewers it did the last time that'd be still a lot a lot of money for the two of them obviously oh, there's a Polly Man and Nagy fighting yeah. boxing as well which no one wants to see the George St. Pierre fight either Tony I've Ferguson or Khabib twice. Was, uh, I don't want to see it again tell us about it Graham go on I think it's now is a good time to recap on that what happened uh, no, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement but uh, <laughs> Paulie is talking an awful lot of brown talking brown is he fair play to him yeah. Um, but yeah 
Yeah, sure. Obviously, look, Frankie Edgar fighting now is a possibility as well. That's been ratcheted up this week. Uh, Max Holloway fights a possibility. You know, if he gets the belt stripped, you know, George St. Pierre, I think, is, is the one that's going to happen. But we'll, we'll see. But hopefully, look, I think it's great for everyone if Conor McGregor's back fighting fights. We, you know, whether you're a Conor McGregor fan or not a Conor McGregor fan or, you know, um, covering MMA or not, He's one of the best fighters we've ever seen doing it, you know, and you you want to see him back. You know, it's, this is not a John Jones situation where he's, you know, he's taking drugs and he's out of the sport. You know, he's kind of gone out for his own reasons for, you know, the amount of money he could make because, you know, he wants to make a lot of money if he's going to come back again. And it, you know, it serves him right to be kind of staying out at the moment. So, look, it's understandable, but we all want to see him back and hopefully he'll, yeah. he'll fight again. I think it does get lost in all the, all the like, media and all this, like, hype and all the kind of either love for McGregor or hate for McGregor, actually how, like, impressive he has been in his UFC fights, like, just, like, all the injuries when he fought Mendez in a terrible saw matchup, and you know, it was a brilliant performance for for the, for what, all, everything that was going on. The Aldo performance, just unbelievable. Like, taking Aldo like that, like, nobody saw that coming. Even, like, even the biggest McGregor fan wasn't calling the the first or the second exchange Aldo to be out cold. Um, then the, 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 that like that Eddie Alvarez, obviously the Diaz fights were absolute like wars. Uh, the, the first one was was obviously didn't go McGregor's way, and then one of the one of the best fights in re- recent memory in, in the rematch. And that, that that Eddie Alvarez performance was just unbelievable. Like look at it, what Eddie Alvarez is doing now. I think people forgetting are are, are kind of missing how how good Conor is. I think maybe people look back when Conor's gone and it's it's in in the history, and the, they'll kind of realize how how good he actually is at MMA. Yeah, it's he's the first MMA fighter who is the narrative is almost a hundred percent run by whether you like him or not. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like it, it's <laughs> it really is like it, like uh, that, uh, well you know it isn't like but it, you know when a guy does well or he does badly, you know it, it can change. You know it, you know Demetrius Johnson like every time he wins, people are. You know, they could be shitting on him beforehand, but then they come out and like, he's unbelievable. But, but McGregor, he, he's a different one. And I, I agree with you. I've waxed lyrical about him, you know, lots of times. Obviously, there's a lot of bad things that he's done outside the cage and stuff as well, which, you know, is, is true. But definitely a, a tremendous, a great fighter and hope to see him back. Here, before we move on, one question. Um, Obviously, you were a producer on the Notorious uh, film and it's out now and everything. I want to. I don't know if we talked about it in detail before. You definitely mentioned it before, but it, it was on the film the, the injury before the Chad Mendes fight. Obviously, it was supposed to be the Jose Alda fight. Chad. How bad actually was that injury? You know, he took, he's both his knees were injured, weren't they, before that fight? Yeah, yeah, he had both knees injured. Um, with Connor, he just kind of like you know, you, you ask him how the knee is in them kind of situations, and he's like, "What knee?" You know, he just doesn't even want to talk mm-hmm. about it. He doesn't want to think about it. He just ignores it. He thinks he can just overcome it with his mind. So it's hard to know how, exactly how bad it is, but. It was, but it, like at one stage, everybody thought they were going home. You know, the whole camp went over in the Mac Mansion. Everybody was, everybody thought they were going home because the, the knee was so bad. And you can even see in the documentary when Connor's outside the the MRI place, and he's kind of we kind of come up to him with the camera and ask him a question. He's like, well, "What do you want me to say?" Like, you know, "What do you want me to say?" Mm. I'm getting a knee scan. You know, <laughs> he wasn't. It was. It, it seemed like it was. It was the end of the the camp, and everybody was kind of depressed and. Not depressed, but everybody was kind of down and kind of like, oh, what that, a... and that was the second knee as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he, I he think done so. one knee, second... yeah, and he had yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh physio doing it for him, didn't he? The one that did, the yeah, physio yeah. and then he did the other knee grappling with Roddy, so he like two ACLs gone when he fought Chabindas, basically. 
Yeah, I think the one of the needs was worse than the other, but um, still though, like you know, I think I think because he he didn't really he didn't really talk about it at the time. I think like people like there was a lot of like rumors before the fight with Aldo that he was injured, that Connor was injured, uh, that his knee was injured. People were talking about it, but um, it kind of got forgotten then afterwards. Um, maybe maybe. <laughs> everybody goes in with injuries but this is these are really bad injuries you know you, you, especially when connor uses a lot like you know if you watch the mendez fight he didn't throw all that much kind of spinning stuff that he had been doing at the time he wasn't as mobile he was kind of standing in front in front of um chad and when he was on the ground he was just happy to close guard and just you know when, when he even the first diaz fight he he immediately when diaz uh got him to the ground he immediately reversed the position he was he was you know, offensive on the ground, but in this fight, he just wasn't able to be. And I think even the weight cut, he couldn't cut the weight because of the knee injuries properly as well. So he was in better, he was in worse Nick uh, weight cut wise because of that as well, because it's hard to lose, hard to lose the necessary weight when you can't, you can't train properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, we better move on because we're going to be here all day. UFC 222 next week. Uh, the undercard has some good fights like Brian Caraway against Cody Staman, John Dodson against Pedro Munoz, which is uh, a fight that came back. That was supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago. Benil Darius now fighting Alexander Hernandez. Who was he supposed to fight? That was pulled on. Let me look. Bobby Green. That would have been a good fight. Pity. Yeah, John Dodson. Didn't I mention that? Yeah. Hector Lombard, CB Dalloway. Ashley Otto McKin, the, the debut of McKinsey Dern. Um, Katzingano, Ketlin Vieira's opening up. The, the main show, uh, Stefan Struve against Andre Arlovsky. Andre Sukumtat is taking on Ireland's own Sugar Sean O'Malley. <laughs> tough, tough enough fight for him. And then the, the, the top two. Um, we oh, Look, before we get to talk, we must talk about McKinsey Dern for a minute. I know we've, we've talked about her a few times on the podcast before, but for the people who maybe don't know, tell them about McKinsey Dern. Um, she is a jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, she's she's very young as well. I think she's like 23, 24. She's five and oh. Um, she she hasn't really fought anybody uh, that you would have heard of, but she's she's looked impressive in in most of them. I think the Ashley Yoder fight is, is a nice matchup for her, but I don't know if it's too early for Mackenzie Dern to be fighting anybody who's who's um who's anywhere near being ranked i think they're gonna have to take the slow roll with her i think she has plenty of time obviously with her age and uh only being five fights into her career there's definitely no rush um yeah i think people are excited about her people have been excited about her before before she even made her uc or her uh, mma debut because of how good she is at jiu-jitsu um but jiu-jitsu will only get yourself or we were talking earlier about like uh uh, getting hit and changes everything, so she's she's gonna have to she's gonna have to round it her game if she wants to be a contender. But uh, as we say, she has loads of time to do it, and I think I think this is a nice matchup for her debut. Yeah, she's obviously the the son of Wellington Megaton Diaz, who is um, a fan. She's kind of half Brazilian, half American, I believe. And I think he won. Um, or he he's a, I think he's a silver medal. I'm just looking at it here in the World Championships in Jiu Jitsu, and he's won three or four uh, Pan Ams at different uh, different weight classes. He's obviously a a very a very um, uh, accomplished and decorated uh, jiu-jitsu artist under, he was under Hyler Gracie, uh, I believe. So, you know, she's, she has the lineage definitely there and she's uh, world champ. She's beaten Gabby Garcia in, in jiu-jitsu as well. Mm. And Gabby Garcia is literally two and a half times her weight her, and her <laughs> size. She's huge. So I think Gabby Garcia is like two, what's she, 270, 280 or something like that. She's heavyweight huge and Mackenzie Dern's fighting here at what? Uh, 115. So yeah, looking mm -hmm. forward to seeing Mackenzie Dern. Dern. 
She's also had a bit of trouble uh, in her first making few fights weight. making weight. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, I think she I think she weighed in successfully in her last fight. Let me just double check that. Yeah, uh, she did. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah. One fifteen point nine. Mm-hmm. Before that, she missed. She missed, or she was that a flyweight fight, maybe? But she missed it anyway. Before that, she missed it a couple of times before that. So mm-hmm. you, you you don't want to you don't want to get into the habit of that. You, she seems to have sorted it out by the but it looks to her last fight. But uh, that's another thing to keep an keep an eye on. And I suppose we better mention um, Katangano as well. She last fought at UFC yeah. 200, but it was a, uh, you know, uh, 18 months before that as well when she had fought Ronda Rousey. She has a win over Amanda Nunes. She's a win over Raquel Pennington, both of whom are fighting for a title coming up, and she's a win over Misha Tate, a former champion as well. Yeah, that was a vicious finish yeah. of Misha Tate as well. Exactly. This is a big, 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 big fight I think here for Katangano. She can get herself back into the title picture very quickly because of that win. But she's taking on nine and oh, Ketlin Vieira, who's no joke as well. Be Sarah McMahon, who fought last week, we didn't get much of a chance to talk about it. Obviously, here with a, with a stack show, but she's an Olympian. She's no joke either. Katzengan is going to need to be on her game to win this fight. Ketlin Vieira is a very, very, very good fighter. You know, nine and zero as I as I mentioned, and this this should be a, a good one. But a big fight for for both ladies uh, coming in here. Um, right, let's move to the the main event first. Frankie Edgar against Brian Ortega. Um, break it down for us, Graham Ortega. Obviously, the jiu-jitsu artist Frankie Edgar, the the legend we know. Uh, Sean Sheen's favorite fighter, tremendous striker, great, great wrestler, good jiu-jitsu. Uh, how'd you see it going? Um, I think we talked about it before. I probably already said this, but I'll say it again. Uh, yeah, I think Frankie's he's gonna have it's a three round fight. I think he's gonna have too much. He's gonna move around, um, throw extremes made of volu- volume of punches. Maybe he'll miss a lot, but he'll he'll throw so much that he'll land a lot as well. And um, He's looked really good, T-City, in his fights, but he, he's looked very hittable as well. Like, you know, um, he doesn't seem to have that great head movement or striking. And he, he, Maybe he should be a little bit more active and trying to get it to the ground into his wheelhouse, but uh, obviously it's, it's, it's really difficult to, to track Frankie down on the feet and, and get him down and keep him down. And obviously he's very good at jiu-jitsu as well, but I think Ortega definitely should have the the advantage on the ground if it if it does hit the ground and both guys are semi fresh to fresh. Um, obviously, if, if Frankie can put some damage on uh, on Ortega, that that might change the the ground situation. Maybe Frankie can can uh, do do much better than than if they're fresh and if they're fresh and Ortega gets a hold of submission, it, it could be it could be really bad news for Frankie. But I think Frankie's gonna fight like he fought against BJ Penn all them years ago and just throw a lot of volume, move around. And just make make it really difficult, uh, make it really difficult for Ortega. I think maybe it's come a little bit too early for Ortega. Yeah, I'm gonna have my the size up over on our YouTube channel a video this week, so I'm not gonna go into it too much. But yeah, I I basically think that's the matchup as well. Ortega's gonna be dangerous throughout the whole fight with those submissions. But Frankie Edgar, I think might be a little bit too much. But I'll have the full breakdown, full pick it at over on the our YouTube channel. Chris Cyborg against Yannick Kunitskaya then is the main event. Obviously, Kunitskaya and Cyborg both coming in here in late notice after the Frank Edgar Max Holloway fight fell out was supposed to be the main event. And they're going to fight over five rounds. Kunitskaya, I believe, has five fights in the last six years. She has won one of her last five, two of her last five, sorry. Uh, with one armbar against Tanya Evinger being overturned, and I watched that fight today, and I think 
uh, at the time maybe we didn't talk about it that much or a little bit but I thought that was a bit of a joke to overturn that um, Tanya Avenger was kind of standing on her head and the referee told her to move her leg off of her head which you know okay that's a little bit egregious but she argued that she was forced to move position she got armbar by it look it's fair enough what, six, six one half a dozen the other but I think it was a little bit harsh with other things that aren't overturned but maybe that's maybe that's me being wrong there but anyway that's beside the point she isn't a great fighter uh, and she's got in here against Chris Cyborg. It should be another destruction, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think I think they uh, they're, they're going to try and build Cyborg as the knockout artist that um, that she was outside the UFC. Like she came in and looked more methodical in in her fights, um, Cyborg that she's had so far in the UFC. But I think this one, this one, I I'll be fully expecting a, a first round KO or TKO from from Cyborg. I just think she's going to be a lot bigger. She's a lot more experienced, as you're saying. Um, she's a lot more active. It, it, it just—it's on short notice for both of them. But who wants to fight Chris Cyborg on short notice? You know, <laughs> Tanya Avenger did it. Didn't she did all right? But it didn't turn out too well. And she's, she, you know, as we said, she's lost to uh, Tanya Avenger herself. So yeah, I think I think this is this is Cyborg. She's gonna knock her out in the in the first round, or if it gets out of the first round, you're early in the second. Yeah, I just agree with you a little bit on on the size. I I think Kunitskaya is actually big enough, strong enough, but I think her uh, her technical ability is nowhere near the level of Cyborg. And I think Cyborg has become a way more technical fighter over her last five or six fights, and I think that really show. And I'd be surprised if this lasts if this goes past the second round. I you know as you mentioned there first round. I, I I'd probably agree with that, but uh, yeah, looking forward Before to Before we move on, shout out what? to the Doberman making his return against Hector Lombard. Oh, oh, CB, let's go. <laughs> Hector Lombard, the most frightening man in all of MMA, according to Brendan Schaub at one stage. Nobody wanted to fight him. How many fights did Hector? Let me let me just look at his record here. That man. Remember, remember like when he was in Bellator, people were saying he was the man to beat Anderson Silva, and uh, just uh, he was very small for the for the for the middleweight all, all the time. Uh, Hector Lombard, but he was he was very impressive outside of uh, outside of the UFC. But it's been very up and down for him. I think I think his chin isn't quite there like it used to be. Um, twenty four fights in a row. Well, he drew one. Twenty three oh and one in a row at one stage. Hector Lombard was what a what a magician Hector Lombard was. Yeah, and Brave Ten is on uh, this weekend, uh, Friday. We've got uh, Will Fleury, uh, Dylan Chuk, and Franz Malambo of Irish interest on the card. That's Friday night in Brave. We'll have uh, details on Severe, but you can watch that if it's available. Um, and then the next day, Chris Fields is fighting at uh, KSW forty two. So uh, big, big weekend for Irish MMA. Uh, stick on severe for for all of the information on Friday and Saturday and how to watch and live results and all that stuff. So, yeah. Let's move to the questions. Get to us all week. We probably won't be able to run through too many of them, but you never know. We might have uh, someplace else. We might keep a few of these questions and answer them in the future. Any ones that don't pertain to this week or last week, we might hold on to them and, and keep them for maybe next week. Uh, we might have a couple of other things as well in the pipeline. But send them in at Severe MMA Pod. Uh, you can send them in the questions all week. Severe MMA Podcast at gmail.com. Follow Graham at Severe MMA. Follow me at Sean Sheehan BA. Go over on Facebook as well. You'll find us there. The naked day Q and A. He was lucky he got it in. True or false, Graham? Stevens versus Emmett will be rematched. False. False. Well, not straight away. Anyway, maybe somewhere in the future, but no, not straight away. I agree. There was not wrong with that finish. Cyborg will be defeated in the UFC. Yeah, if true, at some stage, so. everybody right. loses at some stage unless they retire, which they very rarely do. MMA retirements. 
So what you're saying is Anna Kunitskaya is Anna Yana Kunitskaya is I can't even say her name is going to beat her. The amount of abuse I'm getting now, I'm going to have to call it into security. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Do you like my Jordan Peterson impression there? That was awful. That was awful. Cyborg would be defeated in. Oh yeah, I just read that. <laughs> 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 Max Holloway will fight and finish both Edgar and Ortega in 2018. Well, he's hardly going to fight both Edgar and Ortega when they're fighting each other in the next week, is he? Come on, Nate. Up the, up the ante. I'm going to say false. You never know. Both false, yeah. Mm-hmm. Paddy Pimblett will win another Cage Warriors belt before his UFC debut. I'm going to say true. true with that. Yeah, true. true. UFC Dublin will have more ranked fighters on the main card than UFC London. God, how many heads? London has four, he says here, I believe. Four ranked fighters. Ooh. I'm going to say false. Um, I'd say it'll probably be three or four, so I'll go false. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Bourne at JB Atlantic Press has he changed his Twitter handle? I believe he has. Given the thinning Irish UFC roster with MMA pioneers, with with what? <laughs> with Mary Daddy, what Irish MMA pioneers are we likely to see on UFC Dublin? Sugar Sean O'Malley, Paul the Irish Regenfelder, JJ the Irish Rebucket Aldridge, or the comeback of Irish, the Irish Marcus Irish Hangrene Davis. Yeah, I, I think that's likely. I think you know Brian Keller as well at the weekend doing Monster MMA proud. <laughs> um, I, I think you know Paul Felder. I think he's probably a sort for that card. Um, uh, Sean O'Malley is another one that could definitely do it. JJ Aldrich definitely as well. I, I'd be, I, you know, I'd say all the three of them are, are very likely to be on the card. I'd say. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. it's really hard to know because it's, it is kind of far. It's not really around the corner, and everything can change really quickly. But yeah, I think they they'd be looking to get at least a couple of them on. Mm-hmm. Andy Stevenson, Andy Ste one two three. What has happened with the MMA JA? Is it still a thing? Are you still members? I have oh, no, nothing's we, happening with it. I we, we, that was the worst 50 euro I ever spent in my life. Waste of time, like nothing's happened in that one months, but you know, hopefully yeah. something will happen. Uh, yeah, that's we know none. Sh- Gary Wallace, Gaz Wallace, should the Irish MMA scene have an amateur masters division or just leave it up to the matchmakers to decide on the age of opponents? Graham, what do you think? Um, like in jiu jitsu with the over 30s, uh, pff, um, no, I think, uh, I think. Just let them let the matchmakers ma- match the fights. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if the oh, no, let me get a good one here. Um, and no, oh, no, we'll answer that next week. Okay, Andy Hall at Bootneg Andy, Ortega, Habib, Till, Tuivasa, and Johns all unranked and all def- undefeated. Who loses first? Say them again, sorry. Ortega, Habib. Darntil, Tuivasa, Johns. Ortega. I think he's going to lose to Edgar. That's that's an easy that's an easy answer. I'm actually not sure. If we leave Ortega out of it, let's look at the other ones. Darntil, I reckon, lose first. Darntil. It's really hard uh, to know unless they were matched up. Or, uh, mm-hmm. Trid, rootless UFC. What is a dream UFC main event for Dublin and May? I'm going to go Wonderboy versus Gunnar Nelson. A dream one, so just anything. Yeah, I know, but like every, I think he said a kind of realistic dream. Um, realistic dream. <laughs> um, hmm, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, like uh, I, I go, I, I definitely take Gunnar and Nelson versus versus Darren Taylor. I definitely take Wonder Boy versus Darren Taylor, even though there's there's no uh, 
there's no Irish interest in that. I think you could put a big Gunner or Artem in a big co-main event, and people wouldn't mind too much as long as the, the top. I'd love, to, I'd love to, as long as the top fight is good. I'd love to see, I'd love to see that fight. I think the UFC have talked about putting it together before. I think that'd be fantastic, but uh, maybe a bit, a little bit unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Right. There's lots of questions here. We're going to get to next week. Here's one from Nobs at Nobs Eleven. Project Spearhead. He asks about. How different is it to the PFL with GSP and Cerrone were involved in? <clears throat> Have you read into this? I've, I've looked at it a little bit. Uh, Leslie Smith. If you if you don't know about this, this is a, another bid to unionize Leslie. Uh, Smith. You can't unionize as a as private contractor, yeah, so it'd be but, like an association. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. But yeah. Okay. Uh, Leslie Smith is heading this up. Um, uh, what's his name? I am raging. Cajun Johnson is in it as well. Ally Quinta and Lucas Middlebrook, who's I suppose best known for being one of the the guys who represented Nick Diaz that time, are heading this up. It's difficult every time one of these pop up. You know, it's like it's like a bad girlfriend you've been hurt so many times before. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to fall in love again. So it's. I don't know, really, to be honest. Time will tell, I suppose, is the answer with this. We, the, the, the way the last one kind of they came out with a big splash, and everybody was like, oh, maybe this is for real this time. With the, mm-hmm. with the, as he mentioned, like Cerrone and Kennedy and GSP and Bjorn Revenue for some reason. Uh, the way that people kind of took that seriously, and then it just kind of went away with a whimper. Even like, I think the next day, Don Cerrone was like, oh, I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> even he, the guy on the, on one of the main representatives on the call, didn't really know what was going on. And, backed away from his statement straight away so kind of to be- we'll believe it when we see it kind of thing i think but i think it is like it definitely will be a huge thing and i think i think the i'm not sure who tweeted it or somebody somebody tweeted it that uh the uc said in their antitrust law or in the antitrust lawsuit that uh basically admitted that if there was a union they'd be paying the fighters more so or a union or an association so the fighters should be should be making it out. I think like you're gonna need GSP would have been a good one, but maybe that's why people took it seriously because he was such a big name. But maybe you need like Connor on board or, or Ronda in the past, or yeah, I, I I just believe when I see it kind of thing. I, I just as you said, it's been it's been touted so many times before, and it's come to nothing. Yeah, in a word, Key and SK ninety six. Do you think it was an illegal knee? Yeah. No. Legal strike. Do I think it was a legal knee? Ooh. Um I, I don't I don't I don't think the actual knee lands, I think it was just below the knee, but I think it was a legal strike, but not a legal knee. In a word again, Kieran F underscore. Reckon Perry is a top ten ranked ma- welterweight material if he moves to a decent camp. Um top ten's tough. Um I think he can be, but he need to he need to make improvements. Um, some guys are it's hard. To, sometimes you think guys have loads of room for improvement, and they actually don't. Uh, that's kind of the finished product. But I'd say I don't know what what the situation with his camp is. I don't know. Um, sometimes these unknown camps are actually like you know a lot of people said to Conor McGregor, oh, you need to change camps. You need to go here to wrestling in America and all this stuff. Even though European wrestling is better in the Olympics. Uh, a lot of people say that and maybe maybe it works for some people it works for most people maybe but other people they maybe prefer to be the big the big fish in the small pond and it, that works for them so it, it might not work for him but it, i think it's worth it, if he loses his next one it'd probably be worth a try mm-hmm. but it's only the panic i don't think and and just completely abandon your team or like abandon your, your where you live and go somewhere else and i don't, I don't like i wouldn't <clears throat> i wouldn't be pushing if he wants to do it yeah but you gotta want to do it i think for it to work 
I think he was talking about it actually. I watched the interview with Aria, it was very good. He was talking about moving around to different places and going train. So I, I think he'd be up for that. Yeah, Harry Paul. Harry Powell MMA asks a few good questions about cage warriors. We've got the most of them already, but Paddy, Paddy Pimlet, Manny McCann, fair play, uh, Harry. He asked as well, and I, I might take this one, about the UFC cards and with not a lot of hype going into it, not a lot of big names, but it, it produces a good card again. Should the UFC be putting more promotion into these? There's too many cards in a row. It's too stacked. And I think someone someone else, I think it might be named McLean, one of the lads, if I see it when I scroll down here, I'll get to it. Luke Thomas was talking about on the uh, MMA beat as well. There's just too many cards. You can't promote them all. You can, It's not possible. Like, there's a, you know, Cyborg is fighting next week. Frank Yeager is fighting next week. We, You know, we didn't get much time to talk about it today because there's so much happening. You know, the, the big controversy there last night. Do you see are in the same boat? They just, you just can't talk about everything. You can't hype up everything. And the smaller cards are obviously going to fall. You the, the bigger cards aren't getting hyped. So the smaller cards can't be hyped. I just think it's, it's impossible altogether to do it. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, the UFC just don't have enough. And yeah, the, I think the fighters themselves need to need to be the ones. Like obviously, ideally, you, you'd be promoted by the, the UFC. But if if that's not happening for you, there's no point sitting around just feeling sorry for yourself. You got to go out and make it happen. Like you know, go get on show, say controversial things, do do what Cody Covington is doing. If 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 that's your personality, if it's not, if you're a Frank Yeager, Frank Yeager type guy who doesn't really say much and is polite unless unless he feels somebody's disrespected him, then maybe you shouldn't pretend to be uh, somebody or not, but... Just get Ali Abdelaziz to tweet for you. Yeah, he'll he'll tweet away for you. It'd be grand. Um, he might make you look like a fool, though, on your own Twitter, so that's maybe a bad idea. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Shane Kiley, has Jeremy Stevens turned the corner in his career, or has he just run into favourable matchmaking? I think he's turned the corner. Yeah, I think I think he has. I think he's. I think we talked about it last week and earlier. I think he's he's putting it together real well now, and he's much more composed, and he's not loading up as much, and and he's getting the results. Yeah, uh, Amy McLean asks, "Why do you think many of the U.S. media is so bitter about Brendan Schaub doing well for himself? The same people that preach about the importance of having a plan after fighting, technically breaking down a fight, he's not the best, but at least he doesn't sit on the fence." That's, I think it's an interesting yeah. question. Like fair, like fair play to to Brendan Schaub. He's got a new uh, show coming out this week, and he has done unbelievably well after he's shown. You know, he's an. I think he's a pretty nice guy for the most part. Seems a uh, friendly enough guy. He's not really to my taste. I, I like when he came came out first, and he was he was pretty funny. I don't know. I, I think he's. You know, I, I think if you're a fan of his from the start, you'll keep being a fan of his. But I think he's a lot of kind of sticky things and stuff. I mean, he's not really for me. But I, I'm not against him. Fair play to him for. For, for doing a lot his, his fight breakdowns and stuff are obviously you know not good but I think he'd admit himself that he's an entertainment guy more than anything else and look fair play to him there's de- there's an audience there for it look and if, if there's an audience there for it fair play to him you know support that but the people listening to this podcast they should support their audience you know if, if you like good fight breakdowns people talking straight about fights maybe people having a bit of crack as well support them and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more next week but <laughs> What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Graham? Yeah, I think um, probably some of it's jealousy. Some of it's mm-hmm. maybe he rubs people up the wrong way a bit. Like if you're if you're if you're putting out errors and errors of content a week, you're, you're going to say some some stuff that put that certain people get annoyed by, and you can understand it sometimes. Like they like maybe maybe as you said, he isn't your taste. He probably isn't my taste either. But obviously, there's like I don't believe the the numbers that they were, were quoted with oh, nine no, million, six million, all this stuff. Yeah. But uh, but uh, and people like maybe should like fair enough if you say oh, I don't believe the numbers, but I don't think that's hating on Brandon. But no, no. there is definitely a bit of hate on Brandon, and 
um maybe he kind of screwed up the the showtime broadcast yeah. maybe that's a bit of it he kind of made mma media guys even though he's kind of like kind of a media guy kind of not he kind of made people maybe feel that he kind of made a few people look bad mm-hmm. that, yeah as a representative is... representing the kind of sport yeah that's definitely a fair criticism like i think a lot of people as well who have really fervent fans like him they, they don't like when their people get criticized like even <laughs> we have a lot of pretty fervent fans as well and you know people throw shit at me sometimes and i don't as i said a few weeks ago criticism rolls off me of so much of it now but like if someone says something bad about me a lot of people like chime in and go hi fuck off leave shot on and stuff which i appreciate and i like it stuff but that, you know multiply that by a hundred thousand and then you have brendan Chab, you know so i think there's a, a lot of that as well but yeah look for a play to brendan Chab. He's he's doing well for himself, and I hope the show goes well. I hope he gets uh, another few seasons out of it. And uh, I'm available to be a bit guest anytime, Brendan. Give me give me a text, hit me up. <sighs> okay, <laughs> Kenny. I need this. Two, I need this, Brendan. Uh, Kenny two one seven two five two five nine. Uh, with the hair leaking, poor goals at the near post. Will United move for a proper keeper like Carius in the summer? You can have uh, Minile. Oh, and we'll send you a fax machine as well, so you can yeah. you can you can get rid of that to gay fella. He's no use. No use. Yeah, Allison looks fucking. If Liverpool get a hold of Allison, I'd, I'd be delighted. He looked fantastic again, and for Roma in the Champions League, um, he's obviously keeping Ederson, who's Man City's goalkeeper, and getting a lot of praise. He's keeping him out of the Brazil team. Um, he looks to be able to play on the ground. He has good reflexes. He he, he just he looks a, a better keeper than what Liverpool have. So I, I'd love to see him. I, they're talking 40, 50 million. I'd say pay it. It's such a. I think it's the most important position on the pitch. I think. When you have a top-class goalkeeper like like De Gea or like Ter Stegen or Neuer or maybe yeah. someone like Allison, then um, it just saves you so many points. Like a, a save that another keeper wouldn't make is is basically a goal. Like and it's demoralising to the other team as well. Like and uh, you kind of get the like you get the feeling sometimes when a, a top keeper is having a brilliant game, you get the feeling that like oh we're never going to score here, and it kind of becomes a psychological thing as well then. Yeah, let's run through a few more of these questions. Fuck it, we were here long enough. Nobody will care if we do another five or ten minutes. Let's go. Uh, Shane Whelan asks a very good question that I like. Wheel at Wheel Talk. If he meant the knee or not, uh, do you think it's reckless? Does the recklessness of the strike bother you? Whether it landed or not, does him throwing an, a clearly illegal knee bother you or not? Well, it's not illegal unless it lands, you know. Uh, like I remember years ago, Koscheck blocked blocked it being illegally need with his forearm, and then the yes. forearm, his own forearm, smashed himself in the face, which made yeah. it illegal. Oh yeah, yeah, it did actually. Yeah, that's true. So, like you, you know, stop hitting yourself, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, it only becomes legal illegal when it lands. Um, but it was it was ill advised. Like he he pretty much had the fight finished, and it didn't. It was unnecessary, and it was a rush of blood to the head. I'd say, but. He got away with it, and he, he'll probably make sure he doesn't do that again. Yeah, David Strain asked the Stevens need one more win. I think we both agreed he probably does. Aldo might be the man. And does Emmett's fighting style change now that he's suffered multiple orbital fractures, which came out as well oh, yeah. afterwards? He's, he's suffered fractures. I think it, it it's it's hard to know. Look look at the likes of Kel Brooks recent Kel Brooks sorry recently in boxing he had an orbital fracture, and his next fight he you know he. He got TKO'd is the nicest way of putting it without me getting uh, in in uh, a load of shit from people again, uh, which when he didn't look in that much trouble. Uh, so it can, it can break a fighter. Like it, it can break a fighter, but it's weirdly, happened to a lot of MMA guys before and I, I think they're a tougher breed. Weirdly enough, Koscheck is another good example of this. He, he got his oral bone, I think it was 
broken Very by true, GSP, yeah. and then every time he got hit hard and, and that eye, he just you see him pawing at it and it put him off his game. It just wasn't right. It was never. It seemed like that eye was that orbital bone. That eye was never right afterwards, and it hindered him massively. So Emma would want to rest that up, and I'd say at least for the first fight or two when he's back, he's going to be worried about it. But if he can if he can get through them, it might be it might kind of be fade into the into the back of his mind. Yeah. Uh, UFC bet picks asked about Mike Perry having his girlfriend in his corner. I think we discussed that a little bit earlier on. I don't think she was too bad, but I think uh, Graham made a, made a good point. Yeah, that if you're maybe a little bit too close to someone or something, maybe you shouldn't have him in the in the corner. Brian Caraway as well, I think. Before, remember, just cost to Demisha. <laughs> he took yeah, some stick for that, didn't he? Was it, was it him saying it to no, Demisha? Sure. Yeah, it she, was. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, he said it to her. I think. Yeah. But anyway, oh, actually, I don't I'm, I'm I'm doubting that now. Actually, I'm I'm not sure. Just cause me, mm, yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, no, I think it was him saying it to her. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. I'm sure someone will correct us. Uh, how about Mike Perry versus Yancy Medeiros next fight? When it would be an absolute war from Farrell Conley, friend of the podcast, at Farrell Conley. I like that. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Garvin Spring, friend of the podcast as well. Is Mike Perry just a one-trick pony? And has he reached his ceiling of what he will achieve? I don't think he has reached his ceiling. At the moment, he is a one-trick pony, though. He is just that big, that big, big one shot. Um, but I think I don't think he's reached his ceiling. Kieran Stapleton asked that question about the oversaturation, which we answered earlier. And he also asked, Paddy Pillard against Brendan Lachlan. Do you think it's likely after the weekend? Say again, sorry? Uh, Paddy Pimblett against Brendan Lachnan is it likely after the weekend I know there's Brendan Lachnan mm. did an interview uh, which you should go and watch and, at Severe Art over on uh, YouTube uh, with Steve last week which is actually a very good interview and also kind of go, if we go back to the Dominic Cruz kind of really liking his teammates himself and Brendan Lachnan have a huge huge relationship bromance, there the bromance going on I think <laughs> it's a similar thing with uh, Mr. Mister Stevens, who fought at the weekend, sir. Uh, but yeah, that's a good fight. You, you'd obviously, you're, you know, you're more in touch with the, the regional scene than me. That'd be a great fight, wouldn't it? Yeah, it seemed from the interview that um, that Steve did with, with Brendan for Severe, as you mentioned, uh, that it seemed more likely than ever. I think the the sticking point was that uh, Paddy was a champion and uh, Cage Warriors didn't want somebody to fight their champion and then be able to just walk away with the belt. Which, which is understandable in a way, but for Brendan, it was also understandable that he wants to negotiate and test the market every time for a fight and get the best, get the best pay packet and get the best fight that, for him and at whatever point in his career he's at. So now that Paddy isn't the champion, maybe it, it, it makes more sense to do it now. Um, Fishgold still hasn't left, so they, he's not going to fight. Uh, Paddy's not going to fight his teammate uh, Chris Fishgold for the belt. So it, it kind of makes sense to to do it now if if uh, if both guys are up for it. Wally Frogmore asks, who's the real hardest hitting 145 pounder in the UFC? <laughs> um, hmm. Who is it? I'm looking at the rankings. Is it? It might be Jeremy Stevens. Mm. Max Holloway hits pretty hard. Max Holloway hits pretty hard, but it's more. Yeah. Uh, um, hmm. It's interesting. Um, he Why could is, be. He could be. It is Jeremy Stevens. There's the answer. Definitive. <laughs> um, Wally as well asks has there been a worse run of an ex-champion since losing his belt than Burrow Johnny Hendricks is the one that jumps to mind immediately Ooh, too heavy Johnny um, 170 yeah it, it's up there with Johnny Hendricks Johnny Hendricks just fell off a cliff um, and so did Burrow uh, Burrow 
Brayo took a serious beating as well. And like that, like these round, like Robbie Lawler against Johnny Hendricks was an absolute war as well. These five round wars, like they they take a lot out of you. Like and um and Bray would have would have probably been better off if he had been knocked out in the first round against uh, TJ Dillashaw from that shot instead of being recovering and being beaten from pillar to post for another another couple of rounds or another few rounds. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, kind of like with JDS, like you know, JDS uh, against Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez got knocked out in what, like sixty nine seconds, and it didn't really affect him that much because he didn't take that much damage by that that couple of shots. And JDS took such a terrible beating off Cain the first time and the second time that he was just never the same. So they, these these massive wars take like they take effect on you. Like Roy McDonald, like it's so, it's it's mad that Robbie Lawler is still going. Like the amount of wars he's been in throughout the years, he's been fighting since he's eighteen, nineteen, fighting people like Nick Diaz back then. Uh, when he started his UFC career, like he's he's the exception. Like you know, these guys, may, your age and your record may tell a lot about you, but how much time you spent in absolute wars is is very important as well for for your durability and your your shop worness yeah conor mcgregor has to be up there too does he for what for his title run since you know he's never defended the title in like 10 years <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll have to get a question in from mr podge so two questions left here mr podge bit Askren seems to be getting another push for ufc spot who's his ideal fight if he was to debut in the ufc do you see this at the week uh, during the week uh the fox ufc fox ufc i think account tweeted about ben Askren, something about him and it was like the most the, the most popular fox ufc tweet ever on their twitter account so that that's pretty interesting, isn't yeah. it? From from you know sports, we hear about it with Alexis Sanchez there recently. You know these sport big sporting organizations they they're looking at this online traction and stuff, and it's this is yeah. pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, especially, I think people maybe have uh, people hated Ben Askren when he was when he was fighting in Bellator. Like the fans hate him. He's boring. Everybody said. Like it was like okay, maybe me and you and a lot of people listen to this are hardcore MMA fans and appreciate what he's doing and but a lot like for most casuals it was like oh this guy is gonna lay on him for 25 minutes uh is there anything else on you know kind of thing and, mm-hmm. and now that he's kind of away and fighting in one fc and nobody gets to see it by the by the hardcore fans it's, it's not well it's not easy to it's not promoted well over here it's not easy to it's not on tv whatever so it's, it's i think maybe that's benefited him in a weird way um, I don't though. I just his stand up is just terrible. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he just gets eaten alive by by pretty much everybody in the top ten. Maybe you know, people like Magni. Okay, he probably beat Magni. Um, so who's the who's the ideal or just a uh, pure striker? Maybe might. Be, I'd like uh, to see him against Damian Maya just to see what happens on the ground. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I'd love. Do you know who you should give him? It'd probably turn into a. It would probably turn into a terrible kickboxing match though. <laughs> Yeah, Carlos Condit would actually be the best matchup for him because Car- yeah, Carlos Condit's be, a big name, and he beat Carlos Condit I think pretty he, easily. His takedown defense is bad, and he he looks just he just doesn't look like Carlos Condit anymore. Mm-hmm. God, do you know what fight I'd love to see? Gunnar Nelson versus Ben Askren. That'd be yeah, that'd be great as well. God, I'd love to see that. Put that, put that as the headliner for UFC Dublin. God yeah, Almighty, yeah, there I'm about, about to fall into a great idea. Ben Askren, Gunnar Nelson, UFC Dublin. Make that shit happen. Sean Shelby, give me your number. Let's make that happen. <laughs> right. Last question from Kenny again. We discussed this a little bit before the podcast. This is a soccer question. So if anyone doesn't want to hear this, you can just go in. We'll only talk about it for a few seconds. would love to hear me and Graham discuss this piece on 
Paul Pogba he quotes a thing Pogba is very good at many things but not great and nothing defensively poor and positionally naive he says a luxury player who doesn't warrant the, the luxury Graham I'm going to let you talk about it. what do you think of Paul Pogba? Uh, Pogba, I think he's a great player. Uh, I think people are judging him at a way higher standard than they judge pretty much any other player. Um, uh, it's strange. I think I think there's been a lot of criticism in the media and a lot of fans are maybe latching onto that. And People are obsessed with prices. You know, there's oh, 100 million. He should be like, that's nothing to do with it, really. That's not his fault. It's it's, the, it's the go- like, look at the look at Coutinho and Dembele going to going to Barcelona for over 100 what was it what was in Bale 120 million 130 million and Coutinho it's like 145 million like so if you look at that compared to that it's 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 not bad value okay he's not he's not set the world alight but he's he's playing in unfamiliar he used to play in a three with, with, with a lot of like Matubi Matubi or Matibi whatever his name is for PSG or for uh, sorry uh, Juve France or France, sorry, France was uh, when he was at France, when he was at Juve and he played in France. He was playing with playing with people who were doing a lot of running for him, and he was kind of mm-hmm. free to kind of be the creative flair guy. And I think he's he, he doesn't really suit Mourinho because Mourinho wants you to just follow instructions to the T and not really be a flair player. Like Mourinho likes when your kind of your, your pinpoint pass or your your, your bit of flair comes off and it leads to a goal. He great, but if it doesn't, he, he he's pissed off. He just because he, he wants like he wants you to just be really structured and make it difficult and it's kind of limiting Pogba it's it's limiting Pogba I think Pogba if Pogba was at Man City he'd be he'd be absolutely like people wouldn't be talking about this he'd be absolutely adored yeah I think there's a big issue as well like I think Pogba is a very good player but he needs like some players like okay Steven Gerrard I think he was a great player wherever he played because like I always thought Steven Gerrard would be better he finally admitted it no but (laughs) I think there's a lot of players better than him but like Paul Scholes as well like he's he's a great player wherever he played. Like he went back, sitting unbelievably good player going forward. But Frank Lampard wasn't. Frank Lampard was only a great player when he played in like a forward going midfield position. When you asked him to come back and defend, he wasn't a great player. But that does that make Frank Lampard not a good player? I, I don't think it does. Like I think he's still a great player. But there's lots of players like that. Now you know if you ask Zinedine Zidane to come back and like sit in midfield, yeah. he's not going to be Macaulay as a box to box midfielder. Exactly, like, <laughs> it's not going to work. Like yeah, like but like uh, I think. Here is my theory on it, right? That because Mourinho missed out on that left winger, he was he was looking for Perisic, someone that could bomb up and down the left wing, uh, and would come back and do that job. He had to sacrifice some of his team to do that, and that meant Pogba had to play in a two in midfield because I don't think he wanted to play the three because when he you you know when you get caught with three players that are right up the field that's going to be tough he'd rather get caught with Lukaku and Lingard maybe playing off him and then having these two wingers coming back but now he can play Lukaku up front he can play you know now that he's signed Alexis Sanchez I mean he has I think he is happy enough for Alexis Sanchez to do that. And he knows Alexis Sanchez will bomb up and down that wing and he can free up Pogba to to do that job now where he's in a three in midfield. And I think he might improve. Like, it's very early days as well. Like, Alexis Sanchez has just signed and he started playing the 4-3-3 where he, as he, before he was playing, you know, that 4-4-2 with him, with, with Pogba uh, sitting. Maybe he didn't trust He's Scott McTominay or Ander Herrera. Ander Herrera didn't get much of a run out, but I think he likes Ander Herrera. He did anyway last year, mm. but he uh, does. I, I think as good as Matic is, I don't think he's the the right guy to have beside uh, Pogba if you're going to play a two. I think he needs somebody to, like obviously Kante is obviously a ridiculous uh, player and he can do whatever everything. If you had Kante beside him, I think he'd look fantastic. And even 
hopefully Naby Kaida can translate his, his, his form in Bundesliga to the Premier League next year. I think like if you had Naby Kaida or somebody in that style of Kante and Naby Kaida who just is all action, running everywhere, covering up behind you, I think Pogba would would have more license to go forward and he'd, and he'd look better. And obviously when you're playing all these like, okay, obviously Coutinho is like a ridiculously good player, but like his, his passing stats are probably not as good as, you know, somebody like James Milner who's playing an easier pass most of the time. Mm-hmm. But when the big pass does come off, it, it leads to a big chance or a goal. And that, that's what wins games, you know, tight games. And Mourinho's, Mourinho's like, he loves a tight game. <laughs> you know, he'll keep it tight. Like, he's happy enough to keep it tight and hope that they nick something. So I, uh, I, I honestly think Kante is the only player in the world that Pogba look good in, in a two in big games. I really do. Have you seen much Kante, of Kaida, have you? No. Not much, no, not really. But I think Kante is just like the best. He's up there on McAuley, like He's one of the best central defensive midfielders of all time. But he it? has more than McAuley. He's, he's passing in his... Yeah. He's one of the best players of all... Literally one of the greatest players of all time in Gola Kante. I, I really rate him so highly. Mascherano back in the day as well would be another one to equal focus on. I think Matic is really good. And Matic was great today. I think Scott McTominay is coming in and doing a good job. But, but just as the three, I think they're way better than the three. Like them two boys playing as a two. Like Matic wasn't great for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's because they're playing in the two. It just doesn't suit them at all. I think like Pogba leaves Matic there on his own. Just Pogba, like, Pogba is not a guy who likes this defensive responsibilities. And that's something Jose Mourinho, I think, has tried to, to kind of bait out of him, for want of a better term. And, uh, you know, it hasn't worked so far, and I don't think it is going to work. So I need, I think they need to change things up, and I think they have. And today, they played 4 3 3 and they beat Chelsea. So there you go. Jose Mourinho, masterclass again. <laughs> Paul Pogba, greatest player in the world, better than Gerard. Um, there you go. This is a this is officially, I think, a two-hour podcast. Is it? We're getting there anyway. We've even so, turned to comedy at the end there for you. Turned to, turned to brilliant soccer analysis there at the end. Where are you at, Ken Early? There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, everyone, go to severemeta.com, severemeta.com forward slash merchandise. Shanti NBA Twitter, Graham. Well, severemeta Twitter. Right, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Please spread the word of the podcast. This is an unbelievably long podcast. We've given you great entertainment. And uh, that announcement will be coming next week. So tune in for that. Big UFC 222 this weekend. Tune into the podcast next week. We'll have all the fallout from that. Graham, anything to say before we go? Um, get on iTunes and rate us and uh, review us if you haven't already and retweet, share on Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, tell subscribe a on SoundCloud as well. If you if you're use SoundCloud, please subscribe on SoundCloud. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, get it. Subscribe everywhere and tell everybody about it. Do make it your Do. mission. <laughs> Do. Do tell your girlfriend, tell your mother, tell your sister. We need more female viewers. Tell your brother. We need male viewers. We need uh, viewers, listeners. I don't know. It's been two hours. Okay, here we go. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, the inspirational quote of the week. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or Monday.